Welcome to the ElfQuest Show, the internet's only fan-made podcast series dedicated to the long-running, award-winning, epic fantasy series ElfQuest, created by Wendy and Richard Peeney. I'm David Mizajewski, also known as Thornbreak on the ElfQuest forums. Joining me is my friend and fellow ElfQuest uber geek, Ryan Brown. Ryan's our editor and producer, working the magic to put this podcast together. Welcome back to the ElfQuest Show podcast. This is David, and Ryan, as always, is with me. How's it hey, going, Ryan? Hey, everybody. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. This doing is good. episode 29, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk all about issue 18 of The Final Quest. Yes. Yeah. It's a big one. So, it is a big one. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like we say that every time, because it know. is. But <laughs> yes. Uh, but there's definitely some big, um, some big moments in this one that... Oh, yeah. um, I think are going to make for good discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, before we do that, um, as always, just you know, updates and reminders on some of the cool stuff that's coming down the pike. So we've got um, volume four of the complete Elf Quest, which is going to collect the shards stories. Um, that's going to be coming out from Dark Horse um, in May. On Amazon, it says May 16th, but I think Amazon um, usually listed a little bit later than it actually is released. So, um, you know, so not that far, you know, a few months and we'll have that bad boy in our hands. Mm-hmm. And then the other um, other ElfQuest book that's on the horizon is the much awaited Line of Beauty book from Fles Publications, yes. which is the art book that really kind of looks at all of Wendy's art, not just ElfQuest. And I think it's probably the uh, of the three Flesk books that were funded by the Kickstarter. Um, I think it's probably the most awaited by by fans out there. Is that right? You think so? Yeah, I keep seeing people saying that, and I know speaking yeah. personally, um, I, I I am really dying to get my hands on it because you know with the art of Elf Quest and the art of the story. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff that was in there was stuff that we had seen before. Um, yeah. You know, obviously we got lots of insight from the 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 copy in those books which were basically commentary for wendy and richard and there were some things uh, particularly in the art of elf quest that um you know had never been published before or whatever but mm-hmm. i feel like from the little teasers that we've been seeing on social media of the the line of beauty that there's just going to be a ton of stuff that you know just none of us have ever seen and um and really looking at wendy's art over the whole course of her career right and all the different evolutions and style changes and different mediums that she's worked in so uh mm-hmm. yeah i'm mm-hmm. starting to troll <laughs> yeah going all the way back to the beginning of her career definitely uh and pieces that we've never seen before i mean we've seen um bits and pieces of it in sort of previews that they've been posting and there's a lot of artwork there that i don't think anybody's ever seen so uh exactly. yeah I'm looking i'm re- i'm really looking forward to it so uh yeah yeah so just a few more months of patience, children, and we will mm. have our greedy paws on these mm. delights. <laughs> greedy little troll paws on it. Well, speaking of trolls, mm-hmm. um, hey. <laughs> that's a good segue to just get right into the issue. And maybe uh, that's where we start with the, the biggest, in my opinion, you know, boom of this, this issue had to do with the trolls. And um, if you're cool with that. Yes. All right. Yeah, so, why don't we start with that? Sure. All right. So, so we finally are enlightened in this issue as to what the hell Cutter was, you know, what his latest quest is, you know, when he sort of snapped out of his, um, his downward spiral from learning this connection that he has 
with Tomain. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he suddenly had this, this, I don't know, some kind of epiphany. And he was like, we got to go to the frozen mountains. We need two edge and, you know, something to do with the key. And, you know, we all are like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Well, we finally see what exactly what was going on. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if you've read the issue, you know what I'm talking about. It yeah. is the revelation that all of this time had, there has been a first comer troll yes. who has been with the frozen mountain trolls. Um, and they have made him King. Um, mm-hmm. and that's who the King up there, that two edge referenced, uh, an, epi- an issue or two ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, and, you know, Cutter's quest was basically to go and reconcile with this first comer troll and, um, you know, basically try to heal that, you know, millennia long enmity between the two species, which was just sort of mind blowing. Yeah. Uh, so this was a huge revelation, something that I don't think any of us really saw coming. Um, this, uh, this first comer troll who is sort of the, um, counterpart to, to Maine, really. And Cutter even mentions that at one point. I think he says something. Uh, where does he say it? Yeah, so Cutter says, uh, only two first comers are left, to Maine and you, her equal. And uh, the Troll King says, equal? And Cutter says, you're the father of all trolls, just as to Maine is the mother of all elves. Yeah. Um, so there you go, right there. Uh, you know, this troll first comer is uh in in cutter's estimation at least the uh, equivalent of Tamane. um so yeah he's been in the frozen mountain uh, frozen mountains all these years i guess yeah hidden, yeah hidden so away. I think, mm-hmm. right i think it's worth um unpacking that because um, yeah you know one of the benefits of recording a few you know week or so after the issue comes out is that we you know, get to see all the different fan reaction and lots of questions um, I was seeing about this. And so here's here's my take on it. And this is based on what I've seen Wendy and Richard, you know, post about this guy and answer to these questions, because some people were like, wait, wh- where did he come from? And so here's what it boils down to. This guy's been there the whole time. He's basically been up in the frozen mountains and, and with the frozen mountain trolls. Um, I'm guessing he probably traveled down to the Holt when Guttlecraw first migrated all of the trolls, you know, further south underneath the Wolf Riders Holt and then somehow ended up, you know, back up there when Guttlecraw got ousted. Um, but, you know, he's basically been a worker. I mean, he says that, you know, his, 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 uh, you know, the thing that gives him joy in life is getting to dig and search for gems and, and pretty things. And, and he's basically been a pickaxe work, worker all of this time, um, just sort of in the background. And, you know, he didn't really have any role in, in pr- prior stories, so we never met him. Um, and, and we're meeting him now because, well, A, he's part of the story, but because the, the trolls decided to make him their, their king. Obviously, mm-hmm. not something that he was necessarily looking for um, and seems kind of sad about, actually, because he's just sort of hidden away in the, um, in the, uh, the, the, the two armor room. Yeah. armor room um, you know room. surrounded by food and treasure mm-hmm. but not doing much else of anything else and mm-hmm. it's obviously impacting his health yeah uh, but anyway yeah i think he's just been there the whole time and he's just a worker before this and mm-hmm. obviously somebody that the trolls would have um you know maybe sort of had some honor towards because he was ancient and all that but um you know yeah and, i think that's um, as simple as that two edge was aware of him exactly yeah mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think he specifically, well, obviously the, this troll came, he doesn't have a name yet, right? Uh, no, we no, haven't been I, told what his name is. We're just calling him the first comer troll. Okay. Um, yeah. So this first comer troll, uh, knows who two edges and has this, um, aversion to two edge. He thinks he's, uh, I guess like an abomination essentially. 
Um, and of course, Two Edge knows of him. Um, yeah, he says monster made from foul magic. Take it away. Um, in reference to Two Edge when Two Edge right. uh, enters into the uh, treasure room. Uh, yeah. So, Which, I, mm-hmm, go ahead. I was going to say on that mm-hmm. on that point. I mean, that you know, such a great um, illustration of this again. You know, millennia long enmity between the elves and the trolls um and and you know the first cover trolls reaction to two edge makes total sense you know when you think about what his impression of elves would be you know mm-hmm. they're basically overlords you know slave keepers oppressors and to think you know from that troll mentality that um you know that that an elf and a troll actually produced a baby and like of course two edge would be perceived as a monster and frankly that's how the elves saw him mm-hmm. you know it's really mm-hmm. only in, in recent times as the elves own, you know, kind of worldview has expanded that they've realized, you know what, like, you know, Cutter even says it like he's, he's just like us, you know? And in fact, elves and trolls have some kinship because we come from the same place. Well, yeah, these are like huge, big, like, holy cow revelations. I think in the minds of, of, of these, you know, these beings that have lived in this, you know, sort of on the low, the low end, if you will. And I don't mean that in a negative sense, but just, you know, they've been worried about surviving. They've been isolated from each other. And now they're having all these sort of major mind expanding um, and, and, and again, worldview expanding experiences that are allowing them to see that, I don't know, just see unity uh, rather than div- divisiveness, mm-hmm. which is kind of powerful. Mm-hmm. It's the, the bigger sort of picture. Um and then, uh, like you said, uh, Cutter makes reference to the elves and trolls um, somehow being alike, which would, uh, you know, allow for being like Two Edge to exist. And uh, he references the Wolf Riders uh, as well, that, uh, you know, Tamane was able to join with wolves and create the Wolf Riders. So then there must be something alike about the between the trolls and the elves in order to create a being like Two Edge. Um, Two Edge looks so Wait. sad. I'm just looking at this, uh, these two panels at the top of uh, the page here yeah it's 20 yeah. page 23 at least 23. on the digital okay. edition yeah, yeah yeah no he poor two edge does look really really sad mm-hmm. yeah um when when uh, the troll first comer sort of freaks out when two edge enters the room um yeah uh so what do you <laughs> what are your thoughts <laughs> <laughs> well well a couple other things about him mm-hmm. um one is we actually learn that not only is he, you know, did he, you know, crash there. He, you know, he's still living like he lived in the palace. But we actually learn that this is an this individual was was one of the original sort of ape creatures that came from the star home. Yeah, the burrowers, um, right? The and and, and so you know we get a little bit more another layer of that story where you know th- where these ape things actually you know at an individual level it didn't happen necessarily over many generations of evolution. You know these individual ape creatures sort of morphed via the magic of the palace into this this sort of troll shape. And humanoids, then, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. um, and that makes sense. I mean, it's the same thing with the preservers, you know. They it, 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 there must have been these original um they you know, insect well, they were creatures. like insect. Yeah. 
Right. And, and I always sort of assumed that it would have been, you know, millions of generations that slowly changed into sort of these current versions, but apparently not. Apparently the magic was able to influence those, again, those original creatures and turn them into what we call trolls and preservers. And in, at least in the case of the trolls, there were many generations that came and went before they, I guess, achieved immortality um, as a species. But Yeah, I'm, I almost feel like it was just the magic in the palace sort of speeding up the process of evolution. Right. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think that's cool because, you know, I think it's, there's a significant difference between, you know, a troll that was born in the palace and traveled in space and then crashed on the world of two moons and a troll that actually came, came. and remembers the star home, which right. this fellow does, which is kind yeah. of awesome. Yeah, yeah, um, and again, that's sort of the um, he's analogous to Tamain, right? Because mm-hmm, they're the only mm-hmm. two that actually remember coming from the uh, from from the Star Home, right? Apart well, from go ahead. Uh, one of the, could any of the preservers have actually been? Well, that's what I was just gonna say. Yeah. I mean, I I would have to guess, you know, if it, if if indeed, well, you know. The trolls, you know, at least this guy, um, the last remaining one that actually came from the star home. I see no reason to believe that um, that that the preservers, maybe all of them, are are the original insect creatures. Hmm. Uh, you know, there's I don't know. another question. Yeah, another um, mystery. Yeah, I wonder. I don't know if we'll get an answer to that because I doubt it's really relevant to the story in the same way that the troll um, yeah. origin is, because obviously right. this this whole issue is about again, sort of overcoming these these ancient hatreds and prejudices and stereotypes about about you know what's perceived as the other and this powerful you know act of 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 asking for forgiveness and apology i mean Mm -hmm. it's just it's 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 really deep stuff well there's been sort of uh within the fan base um you know talk of these issues over the years uh Mm -hmm. as far as like the the high ones and what they're role was within the palace and their treatment of the trolls and you know the, the trolls did say um during the first war i forget who it was was it picno said that it's a slave's right to rebel to rebel revolt, yeah right mm-hmm. um so even at that point i mean the the trolls were aware of their own history and and felt as though they had been treated as as though they were slaves by the right. the high ones um but there was never any real indication that the elves ever sort of uh, felt like they had, um, you know, treated the the trolls totally negatively. Um, although the Wolf Riders had no sort of, um, uh, you know, reference for what had actually occurred at that point because they had no idea what their true history was. Um, but I'm just conjecturing well, like you know since they've had the palace back have they read the scroll of colors and seen what had occurred and like how how badly were the trolls treated and I, it just opens up a lot of questions but it's never really been dealt directly within the storyline like right. how the trolls were treated by the high ones while they were traveling through the universe for yeah you know well, however many years millennia so um, you know, this is the first time where it's really been sort of acknowledged within the story that the trolls, yes, they were treated like slaves and that the elves are responsible for that. And yeah. and that the rebellion itself, the troll rebellion was sort of a, um, you know, a, a uh, directly resulted from the high ones having kept the trolls as slaves. 
Totally, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so I have so many thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> Shocker, right? Um, yeah. So, so um, yeah, I mean, I think, I, okay, so I think it's always been acknowledged that the trolls saw the elves as oppressors. I mean, yeah. going all the way back to the original quest, I mean, that was the whole mo of guttlecraw why he was like no you're not getting the palace back because you're going to make us slaves again and we're going to build this you know this we're going to encase it in a metal dome so that elves can't get to it and 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 this issue a final quest really adds another layer to that because now we know why it was maybe more on the forefront of the trolls and the trolls minds especially the frozen mountain trolls than maybe it was say for the elves who say really didn't you know, wasn't even on their radar screen that they might have, that the high ones might have been, you know, sort of, um, you know, keeping the trolls as slaves. And the reason yeah. for that is that this first karma troll was there the whole time. Yeah. You know, all Gullo Crow had to do is, 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 you know, hear his stories and, you know, that, that enough, it would be enough motivation for him to be like, yeah, never again. And when the go back showed up, you, you know, like the logic there, the story logic, um, you know, spanning the 40 years is, it's all right there. And right. so, um, but what's really interesting is, uh, it, what you, is what you were just saying about the fact that, um, this is the first time that the elves actually acknowledge that, yeah, this is like this, this, you know, acknowledge it. Like they don't even acknowledge it. I mean, back in the original quest, when they first saw the scroll of colors, they heard, they heard the story and, um, you know, and they've never taken ownership over that. Yeah, and but the trolls obviously, obviously, that's their point of view, and right. it's part of who they are, and, and and why they maybe are so nasty to the elves. Yeah. In part. Um, yeah. So it, I just I just felt like as a reader, it was never really clear to me how culpable the elves or the high ones at least were in regards to how the trolls were treated. Like there was always sort of this gray area where I I was never sure if you know were they like whose perception is correct and you know were the were the trolls treated terribly by the high ones or were they you know is that their perspective and the high ones you know th- thought of it a different way and you know who was yeah. well, were they really oppressive i i never was really quite clear i mean obviously now it's sort of cleared it up right that well, the, well yeah and i think I, I, this is so important to this not only just understanding this issue but but i think in, in all of ElfQuest, right? You know, the, yes, questions like, did they beat the trolls? Did they lock them up? Or, you know, how, you know, how, how yeah. much of a, like this, right? And you know what? It doesn't matter because no. perception is reality and the trolls felt that they, that their freedom was, was compromised. Yeah. And so my guess is that I, I can't imagine the elves beating the trolls or, or doing any of those like, you know, deliberate aggressive actions towards them. But the fact is, is that the trolls did not have, their own free will right. and they were um, they were subjugated on some level and the most important thing about this whole turn of events in this issue is that finally the elves are acknowledging it whether or not yeah. they you know they they agree that they were oppressors or you know whether or not an elf could make an argument well you know you didn't you didn't have it too bad um you know like that's all moot and and i'm so it's so powerful that they are not even asking those questions or trying to defend themselves. Cutter slash Timane is, is just simply acknowledging that this, this was a bad thing, whether or not it was intended that, you know, there's no excuses made. There's no justifications. It's just like, you, you, you know, this was bad for you and we're sorry. Yeah. That's huge. That's huge. It's what like, is- an, it's like an un, unfair. 
of, of, of apology and asking for forgiveness. And I, I don't know. Sorry, just, say that it, again. It's, it blows me away. It's, it's an unfettered or un, unattached, like no strings attached um, apology and asking for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's powerful. Mm-hmm. This makes me question, though, a lot about the high ones. Um, because, you know, how the high ones are presented or always have been as these enlightened beings but how enlightened could they actually have been if they were uh, in ignorance oppressing these other beings like yeah, were well, they completely that's... unaware that they were doing this and then if so then how enlightened were they actually in actuality yeah. i think that's a i think that's a great question you know to me it's 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 such a uh illustration of the negative side of, of, you know, this whole idea of privilege, you know, that we hear a lot about nowadays. And I think it's a really important thing. And, and, and you know, I, I don't think Wendy and Richard planned any of this out in the story to be, uh, you know, uh, a commentary on today's, you know, culture or whatever, but, but it, it is anyway, you know, and so, uh, you know, this idea that, that these, these, these amazing, you know, powerful, high thinking beings um, again, maybe not deliberately, but in their in their privilege, were so clueless to the to the fallout and the impact of their actions. Again, I'm I'm quite certain that all of those first comers were floating around in space, shape changing, thinking this is amazing, we're so great, and um and and completely oblivious to the fact that that you know these other sentient beings, um you know were 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 not free. And I mean, I, in all honesty, I feel like that needs to be explored a little bit more. I would like to get a little bit more of a sort of, I, I don't know if we're going to, but, um, you know, that these angelic type beings, the high ones, could for millennia be completely oblivious to the fact that other <laughs> uh, sentient beings were suffering within, you know, their, uh, under their supposed care, that they were totally unaware of that for who knows how long. Um, I feel like that needs to be fleshed out a little bit more because it's, you know, it's sort of, I'm finding it hard to bridge that gap right now. Well, we got six more issues, my friend. Yes, I know, I know. (laughs) And, and, you know, I mean, what's going to happen? They're bringing the first comer troll, um, you know, back to the palace. Yeah. Um, You know, he's going, I mean, you know that there's going to be an interaction with Tamane herself. Oh yeah, and, for sure. And you know, so so it, I, I think we might get more of that. And and I have to guess, um, even if even if the conversation at the end of this issue didn't happen, where Skywise raises you know sort of the, his anxiety or his trepidation about letting trolls come to the back to the palace because they might revolt again. Um, mm-hmm. I have to guess that more trolls are going to join the elves when they inevitably leave the planet. Yeah. I can't, you know, and so I think, I think we're going to, we're definitely going to have to see more of that, of these issues that you're talking about getting explored. I I would be surprised if we didn't. Look at what he says to Cutter when they first uh, meet each other. He says, um, Cutter says to him, you know, these eyes, don't you remember? And, uh, Troll first comer says, yes, yes, like hers, she that led the high ones, pretty like gems, but cold, looking so, looking away so far that we underfoot were beneath her notice. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, I got, and he says, well, I got my friends to make her make all the high ones notice. Um, I mean, that speaks to this level of obliviousness and and coldness as far as the troll first comer is concerned, uh, directed towards Tamane, that um, there's some sort of lack of empathy. 
Yeah. So this really yeah. like opens up a lot of questions about the high ones and and their motivations and who they actually are and were. I mean, is mm-hmm. there's been a lot of people who have said that about Demaine that she seems so distant and cold and so you know beyond uh, like we what we would recognize as being human, really. And obviously, yeah. okay, like they're not human, but you know what I mean as far as like an emotional response to to uh interacting with other sentient beings um well yeah are they are they so advanced and so beyond you know what we would recognize as as uh as as human i i don't know any other way to say it maybe like as having an emotional sort of life that they they couldn't even perceive of you know another being suffering yeah. Well, again, I think it, you know, for me, it just goes back to the oblivion, uh, obliviousness that comes with privilege. You know, like there was no, there, there was nothing in their day to day life that would, like, would force them to see that. You know, and and I think you're right. I think they, you know, so advanced and 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 ancient and all of those things that, yeah, maybe they just were were, were so. I mean, to, to use a a, a trollist a trollish kind of phrase, you know, had their head so far up in the clouds that they were oblivious to what was going on right at their feet. Mm-hmm. I, and, you know, but I think, I think you touched on something too that I want to address. And that is like, you know, was there a, like sort of like a, um, an ill will or an ill intent or something more nefarious going on. Um, and I don't know that that, that's not the, that's not the vibe that I'm getting. And Cutter no. even says it, you know, he says when he apologizes, he said, we thought we were loving. Hmm. But we wronged you and yours, and we're sorry, and we mo- want to make amends. And again, like to me, that that tells me that there wasn't any sort of like, there wasn't a will or like anything deliberate, other than the fact that obviously they were the trolls couldn't get away and they couldn't make their own choices. But yeah. um, and that's and that's pretty damn huge, right? But yeah. I don't know that the high ones were sitting around being like, you know, you know. It, it, and being malicious in it, but but no. as I said earlier, it doesn't matter because the fact is that whether or not they meant it, yeah. they were still doing this this really horrible thing to the trolls. Yeah, so and, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think that there was any malevolent intent. The only question I have is how could beings that are disenlightened be so oblivious? That's essentially what it comes down to for me, and yeah. which is why I, I, I hope, like you say, that within the next six issues or so, uh, when Tamane and the first comer troll here meet each other, that that's sort of fleshed out a little bit more, and we get more sure. of a sort of, um, you know, explanation or analysis of, you know, who the high ones were and and why they, how they could make this mistake. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think they were so enlightened. That they again, they they became oblivious. Um, but that to me says that you're not enlightened. You know what I'm saying? Well, true. Like if yeah, you're enlightened, yeah. then you're aware. Right. So. And, oh, and, oh, and maybe that's part of the point. <laughs> you know, the, these these you know that even these incredibly you know angelic kind of creatures and these you know with such advanced technology, um, you know, uh, spacefaring aliens, if you will, um, you know, even they're not perfect, and it's even almost... they're fallible. I mean, we, we've we talked about this before in sort of their, their sort of uh, references, whether intentional or not, to like Greek mythology and Greek gods. And the Greek gods always had flaws, right? Mm-hmm. There was always flaws within them that sort of led to, you know, tragedy. 
uh, within the Greek mythology. So I, I liken it to that maybe to some extent that there's, you know, the, they're angelic, they're godlike, but they have foibles. There's some flaw within them. Yes. Yeah. And, and so, so this, um, you know, there might be more to talk about with the first comfort troll, but I want to jump to mm-hmm. something that I've been thinking about um, with the palace dwellers. Okay. And, you know, again, obviously they're, they're, they're getting ready to leave the planet. I mean, there's no secret about that. It's, it's, it's what their goal is. And, yeah. and they're training to be able to, you know, re relearn all of those, all of the different, um, you know, powers and manifestations of it that, that the high ones once had, so that they can actually execute this, this, you know, leaving of the planet or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I like to think that they're going to be a lot more enlightened than mm-hmm. the the original high ones because of their experiencing living sort of on living the low life. And again, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not I don't love the, the terminology, but you know we've we've heard this sort of high low um, you know dichotomy. You know, Timain mm-hmm. is the high, Cutter is the low. So I don't mean the word low in any kind of negative sense, but like the fact that they were forced to live. And, and, and experience and, and be physical and yeah. struggle and die like that wisdom, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think they're going to take with them so that they'll be much, ironically, they'll be much more enlightened than the actual high ones were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, as yeah. you go forward in space. Can we, um, can we talk a little bit though about, uh, I know we've sort of touched on this before, but never to any real full extent, but they're going back to the star home. What are they going back to? Because, we know that the star home died and that's why they, they left. So why are they going back there? Right. So this is something else that I've been thinking about. And, um, there's, there's many explanations. Um, you know, the, the, the star home, their planet, um, was dying. Um, you know, that was however many trillions of years ago. Mm -hmm. So who knows what could have happened? You know, it could have gotten pulled into the orbit of a new sun and, and, and experienced a, a renewal. Who knows? Who knows what they'll find? Maybe it will just be a dead rock and they're going to come and they're going to bring life to it. Um, I also don't necessarily, I think they're going to go back there, but it, it remains unclear. Like, are they going to go back there and live there and settle it? Are they going to travel the stars? You know, Skywise doesn't seem to be the interested in just like moving to another planet and, and you know living a terrestrial life again you know mm-hmm. he wants to be out there exploring space so what what they do remains to be seen and frankly i don't know that we'll necessarily get those answers like i could see this all ending with the palace ship leaving the world of humans atmosphere and that and that be how final quest ends and that's you it. know yeah it sort of defeats the whole purpose though this idea of like sort of reconciling the humans and the elves together if they're just going to leave well, not all of them are going to leave. No, I know, but are the ones that are going to stay actually going to sort of try to make uh, a reconciliation with the humans? Because even Sava said that at one point, I think it was in Hidden Years, um, you know, that we'll finally be a people of this world. Um, but right. now she seems intent on, on leaving with the rest of them. Uh, you know, and I don't blame them for that. I think that, you know, that's probably uh, a pretty smart decision, but it also, like, the whole idea of ElfQuest was sort of, like, overcoming the sphere of the other and, mm-hmm. you know, reconciling those differences and creating um, connections. Um, 
And that always seemed to me to be sort of like the end goal of this story was that there was going to be, a, you know, this final reconciliation between humanity and, and the elves. But now they're just taking off. And like you say, well, there seems to be some that will choose to stay. But they seem to right now, as far as the story is concerned, to be more concerned with finding ways to hide. And I'm I'm looking at, you know, you're talking about these powers that they're exploring. And one of them, which we've seen in this issue, which is really cool, is this ability to turn invisible. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't see how that could be helpful in any way for the elves who are leaving. That to me suggests that this is sort of foreshadowing for a power that would be useful for the elves who decide to stay, because then they're going to have a way to hide in plain sight. Mm-hmm. That yeah, that would be interesting. Although I could totally see it being useful if they are going to go explore other worlds, you know, to sort of become invisible and and check things out. Okay, that's they, true. Good point. Know. But yeah. but I want to go back to what you were just saying about mm-hmm. you know, Saba and and her comment about being finally becoming a people of this world and yeah. you know the suggestion that you know that maybe what they're doing now is kind of a cop out on that. Yeah, they're kind and, of running away a little bit. Well, you know what? I think twenty thousand years earns them the right to, you know, consider themselves a, a people of that world. And as far as, like, the idea that all, like, this is sort of uh, a story about reconciliation between humans and elves, I think we've seen that. We've seen that in huge ways. Have we seen every single human, um, you know, want to become friends with the elves? No, and I don't think we ever will. And frankly, I think that that would be kind of kind of lame if it was just this big kumbaya moment where there were no humans that... That, you know, where everybody was just universally in love with each other. I think, I think they've achieved all of those goals in many huge ways. You know, there are humans that see the elves as just another people. There are um, elves. You know, elves generally, um, you know, probably are a little bit more along that spectrum of, of, um, you know, live and let live as long as you're not trying to kill us, as far as the humans go. So, um, and again, the you know the the, the twenty years of life experience that has given them this this sort of low perspective um, to to balance out that high perspective of where they came from. I mean, I think they've they've done their, you know, they've, they've paid their dues, if you will, as far as that goes. So if they want to leave now, I don't think there's any, um, I wouldn't suggest that there's any kind of cop out there. I think that they've earned it. And, and now they're ready for the next adventure in their eternal lives. So, um, and again, it's not even all of them. Only some of them are choosing that. There's definitely going to be others that do not go down that path and are going to have to continue to try to reconcile with the humans. And, you know, and so um, but I, I would never expect for the storytelling to just be so black and white and so simple that, again, at the end, all the humans and all the elves are friends and all the trolls and all the all the elves are friends. You know, I think it's it's going to be much more like real life where. Some are and some aren't, but the, the, the important thing is that the effort is made and that, you know, that there is some reconciliation happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just thinking back on some other comment that Sava made. It might have been in Shard 16 at the end of that series, but she said something along the lines of it might be that we've we've learned all the lessons that this world has mm-hmm. uh, taught us and it's time to move on. That's just paraphrasing, but... Um, yeah, I think she a- asks it as... Question. I think yeah. I, I might be wrong, but I think she says perhaps we've learned everything there is to learn here. And, yeah, you know. So that's kind of interesting. I mean, that might be sort of the answer to my own question, then. You know. Yeah, and that's like, always the way that I've seen it. You know, it's like uh, they've they've taken a again a twenty thousand year co- crash course in survival. not being. Yeah, well, not being high minded, supposedly enlightened, but but kind of assholes. You know, like mm, yeah. 
you know, it's, it was a steep price to pay, but, um, but I think at the end of the day, you know, and, and if you take the whole story of ElfQuest that we've seen over these last, you know, almost 40 years, I think you could, you could say that, that they did, that they've learned their lesson, at least a good chunk of the elves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, and again, I would never expect that every, every single elf is going to adopt this mentality. I mean, you know, look at Strongbow, look at Door. Um, you know, there's going to be elves out there that don't just get right on board with everything. Um, right. and that's okay. That's good. That's, that's good storytelling because it's reflective of, of like real life, you know? Yeah. So, um, all right. So, so um, let's go back to the first Karma Troll because there's a couple more things in that, um, scene that I think are worth noting. Okay. Number one, the art, um, mm-hmm. I think needs to be recognized. And this is the issue that Wendy talked about, you know, really trying to um, go back to a little bit more of a, um, an inking style, I think, in particular, that yeah. was similar to what she was doing at yeah, the she, end of the original quest. Right, and, she said she was trying to mimic it uh, to some extent. So, And I, yeah. I can definitely see that in the line work, especially um, on the first comer troll himself, uh, particularly yeah. in his face. Yep. Um, the line work is uh, just gorgeous um well just like the the like if you look at that that one full splash page where you see the you know the first karma troll sitting um on his cushions from behind and mm-hmm. you just see all the the, the cross hatching and the black you know the black ink and the the weight and the depth of, of those lines is you know is very reminiscent of the original quest versus the I, what i would call lighter looser more airiness that um that style that Wendy has been using in her digital art in general, but in, in final quest, I mean, yeah. not obviously throughout the entire thing, but there is a, a, a what I would call a, a lightness to Wendy's modern style that um, contrasts to sort of the heavier, weightier, you know, pen and ink kind of work that she did way back when. Yeah. And I think this was a good choice of issue to sort of um, go back to that style and, and sort of emulate it because it really, um, uh, it, it's it's well suited to sort of the the troll the underground kingdom, mm-hmm. um, that type of line work the the dark heavy lines the the use of uh, the blacks and and whites um, or well in this case it's blacks and colors right right mm-hmm. um, but heavy blacks uh, is really I find well suited to sort of that that atmosphere that's created by the uh, the troll kingdom. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the art style, um, being part of the storytelling, mm-hmm. which is, mm-hmm. neat. um, and I think you could say the, like the exact opposite is, is true of the scenes in the palace. Yeah. How exactly. those are portrayed. They're the epitome of, of light, ethereal airiness. And it's part of the effect that, you know, you could, you could describe it in words in the story, or you could show it with the pictures in the story. Mm-hmm. And Wendy and Richard are showing it in the pictures. And I think, um, you know, it's the same could be said for, for everything you were just saying about how they're showing the story in the way that Wendy has done those troll cavern scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So what so else yeah, do you want to? Well, that big splash page was just awesome. And, and I love too that um, the colors of the, the gems and the crystals mm-hmm. that are in there, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it, again, it really contrasts to the palace. I mean, yes, yeah, some of them are, you know, these sort of, traditional sort of diamond color, you know, uh, almost pastel, but then you see these like dark red rubies and deep purple, I guess, amethysts and, and, um, you know, sort of, uh, turquoise gems and everything. And it, mm-hmm. it just has a much more trollish feel to it. Um, yeah, a little bit is, masculine, you know? Yeah. And, and, 
um, you know, very well suited to the use of the digital art, right? I mean, yeah. these kind of effects couldn't have really been produced prior to, you know, Wendy's use of of uh, the digital, um, uh, you know, but, these yeah. abilities. Um, but, but it's uh, not on a bi-monthly um, schedule. So at least not on a bi-monthly. No, definitely know. not. Wendy was hand painting all of this with watercolors. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I, yeah, she, I, I doubt that she, it would, we, we'd be able to get this level of detail and that's the magic of, of working digitally. I think it's awesome. I, you've got these, um, where geodes, yeah, the geodes, and then, yeah. yeah, like you said, these gems and crystals and stuff. Very cool. And Wendy definitely likes her shiny things. So <laughs> this is like, you could tell she really enjoyed doing this. Totally. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. speaking of shiny things, um, mm -hmm. Nightfall's comment when they're in the um, in the first Karma Trolls chamber there was really interesting. You know, when she's back in that, in that space that, um, you know, again, for her, it's only, you know, what, some 50 years or so. Um, That's so crazy. Right. Well, no, I take it back. I take it back. It's it's like 550 years um, because Nightfall slept. Oh, yeah, but, that's right. Um, yeah. But, you know, being in there is kind of mm -hmm. bringing back memories. And she's, you know, she makes that comment about. Um, For Skywise, it's only about 50. Sorry. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Lita as well. But, mm -hmm. um but, you know, uh, Nightfall's comment about, you know, the smaller truth, I've been too content to, with it. The world is so much bigger than we see. Um, you know, it's kind of, it, it, it's a, re a really interesting evolution because it was in the original quest after seeing the swirl of colors was this idea that, you know, the world is much bigger, but, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, the, you know, the way, the smaller truth is, is you know, going to be good enough for me. But, you know, these all these years later, revisiting that she's almost kind of rethinking that and saying you know yes the small truth is 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 great and i am content with it but there really is so the world and the universe really is so much bigger so it's really interesting to see how these characters um perceptions are evolving mm -hmm. um the other thing that's really awesome on that page and is i think uh, another great example of that same thing is um you know lita and you know are her, her offer to the first comer troll who is obviously in poor health from just, you know, basically rotting away in that chamber and doing nothing but sitting there and eating. Yeah. Uh, he's like the, uh, the elf quest equivalent of Jabba the Hutt right now. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, um, but, but, you know, she says, uh, what, what page is it? Let's see. Um, I, I see it here. She says, just ask me for healing and it is yours. Right. Now, the power of, of her saying that in that location is huge because, remember, that is where she attempted to heal One-Eye. Right. Who, against will, you know, he wanted to die. Mm -hmm. and, and she, back in her naive days, was like, no, death is my enemy and period. And, and you know, and, and that gives me the right to just do whatever the hell I want. And mm -hmm. I think it's just, you know, a great example of the the sort of subtle background way that wendy and richard have dealt with alita's character development yeah um you know it's never been like this big major thing in the forefront it's it's but you know all along i mean going all the way back you know to siege of blue mountain when she regrows cutter's hair at the end she realizes wait i can't take people's choice away you know fast forward to now when you know even when cutter was you know going bonkers um you know she she still even then was like you let me know what you want. And here, I think it, it is just the exclamation point on this is that, you know, in the very same chamber where she learned that hard lesson that 
her power doesn't give her the right to take away others' choice. Mm-hmm. You know, she's she's personifying that in what she says to this first comer troll. Right. And 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 as I'm talking too, I'm even realizing that the fact that she's saying it to this troll in particular is 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 extra powerful because that's the whole thing that the high ones didn't do for the trolls. They didn't allow them to have any choice. Yes. They were stuck on the palace and they were going where the high ones wanted, you know, like it or not. It. Um and yeah. so the fact that she says that to him, I think, is the real turning point because he's, you know, he's like the word of elves. It, it can't be trusted. Can't be trusted. He's, kind of, he's kind of hesitant there because he like can't believe what he's hearing mm-hmm. that an elf would actually give him choice. And then, you know, and then Cutter's comment that that he's to me equal, I think, is what really tipped him over. And, um, you know, even after, you know, again, thousands and thousands of years of, of nurturing this, you know, totally justified resentment of elves. This guy is still there's an innocence about him. Oh know? yeah, definitely. There's, yeah, he, and, and it's it, it, it you know it's I think it's what makes him so huggable. Like I just want to hug this guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know he's still innocent and mm-hmm. he's still um, you know is able to be trusting and that's something that his you know his descendants lost. I think you know you go from this guy to someone like Guttlecrow, um, you know, or Greymung, or, or frankly Picknose or Maggoty. You know, like. Hell no, are they going to trust an elf, you know? I'm actually, you know, you mentioned Guttlecry. I'm surprised that Guttlecry wouldn't have done away with him because he he seems like he would have presented some sort of a threat, not in so much as like a physical threat, but a threat to to Guttlecry's power, you know, being that he's this first comer. I wonder if Guttlecry had him... Like you said, he was working. I don't know if that's uh, a comment that Wendy and Richard made, but I could definitely see him being... Hell, like kept away from the rest of them, hidden away almost uh, as a prisoner by Guttlecraw, uh, so as not to, you know, present any sort of threat to Guttlecraw's power. Yeah. So, so here's my thought on that. Um, mm-hmm. One, yeah, Wendy did post on Facebook that you know he he spent most of his time just sort of being, um, you know, pickaxe worker. Really? You know, okay. A, a, a worker, and and I think I I think it's a completely logical question to ask because you know. Guttlecraw in particular was, uh, you know, kind of a megalomaniac and power hungry and, 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 and brutal, you know, brutal dictator. And, and it makes total sense that he would eliminate any competition. But I, a couple things I think are, are enlightening as to why maybe he wouldn't do that. Number one, this guy has obviously no ambitions to be a leader. No. Right. Like, no. like, you know, and, and Guttlecraw wouldn't have to eliminate him. He would literally just have to be like, nope, I'm the boss. And this guy would just back down. That's true. So there really was no actual threat. Right. And then I also think back to the, um, the sense of pride and honor that Picknose, um, you know, sort of, uh, said when he, when, when back in the, in the original quest, when Cutter and Skywise were their captives in the hut in, um, in issue whatever that was six seven the dream Dare, dreamberry tales when he's when we first hear kind of a little bit of the backstory of the trolls mm-hmm. from the trolls point of view mm-hmm. and and he talks really proudly you know he says we something like we have you know just as proud a history as you elves do you right. know and so right. i think that the trolls probably have always sort of seen him as 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 somebody worth honoring. Yeah. Um, and, and if nothing else from Guttlecraw's point of view, a reminder of, of th- that, you know, the elves once were their, their, their slavers. Mm-hmm. And I could see Guttlecraw if, you know, for that reason alone, wanting to keep him around as evidence to the rest of his people, like, 
this guy was a slave of those elves. Yeah. All you have to do is look at him as a reminder of why, of, of why we're fighting. Now, okay, here's here's a question for you. Um, do you think that this was intended from the beginning, or was this something that was introduced or, or uh, decided on more recently as far as this first comer troll being a part of the story? Uh, you know, that's anyone's guess. Mm-hmm. Um, however, story, story wise, we've never had any hint or intimation that this character existed. Right. And I mean, throughout the course of the elves interactions with the trolls throughout the, the storyline, there's never, never been any sort of that I'm aware of any clues that this guy was, was around. Um, and, and I'm thinking of even characters like Old Maggoty. Like she would probably, she would obviously know about this guy, right? You know, so, and, mm-hmm. or Two so, Edge even. Yeah, well, Two Edge, Two Edge has known about him. exactly, but but, him. but 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 why would they? Point. Why would they tell the elves about him? Like, at what point in the story would that make any kind of logical sense? Well, not so much to to tell the elves about it, but to hint to the readers. That he existed well, through and, through the storyline, so through some interaction between the elves and the trolls, to hint to us as the readers that there was something else. But why on. would they do that if it wasn't necessary to the particular story that they were telling? You know, and 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 yeah, I made this. But I, I mean, like, but essentially now, what the story is about is this sort of reconciliation between the elves and the trolls, and it's almost, uh, you know, sort of being set up that this is what the story of Elf Quest kind of is now yeah I, well to answer the first question mm-hmm. i don't i i can't answer what it, the specifics of what wendy and richard had in their head at which point but i i can say that i feel um intuitively that this idea of reconciliation i mean and 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 the trolls and the elves really kind of at least some of them getting over this their, their bad history mm-hmm. i i have to guess was something that has always been you know from the very very beginning something that was part of the story. Yeah. And, you know, again, obviously like the details of how it all plays out, I don't know. And it might be that this first comer troll wasn't really, um, you know, envisioned as a character until the nineties when they sat down and really plotted out a lot of the specifics of final mm-hmm, quest. But, mm-hmm. um, but this idea of reconciliation seems to me to be something that, um, this entire epic 40 year tale has been sort of kind of marching towards. Yeah. Um, and so, but going back to, again, like, you know, how come we haven't been shown this character before? There's tons of things that we haven't been shown that are happening off camera. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. right. I mean, they, there just are, and there's no yeah. way that you can, you know, it would be bad storytelling to kind of cram things in just cause, you know, and, sure. and, and, and Wendy um, and or Richard, um, you know, as, as this discussion has been happening online, um, I've seen them both say, you know, things like, um, you know, now was the right time in the story for him to make his appearance in the story. And what motivation would a troll ever have to tell any of the elves, you know, in an, in sort of a quote unquote on camera moment, mm-hmm. you know, there just isn't. And, okay. I've got yeah. to get back on Facebook. I'm hardly on anymore. And I'm missing, <laughs> and clearly I'm missing quite a lot. Yeah, I mean, you know, Wendy and Richard both, especially when the new issues come out, um, you know, can be pretty active. So they definitely are putting clues in and and shedding some light. Obviously, with not ever giving anything away, the the dastardly duo, but mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> just enough to sort of you know tease us along a little bit. But yeah, they definitely um, add some context in. So you, I would totally suggest that. Um, you know, the the Facebook fan group seems to be where most of this conversation happens. Um, mm-hmm. So um, um, 
let's just talk about the art again. You mentioned some things about the art uh, in the sequence. I want to comment on a couple of things as well. One is um, how different the first comer troll looks uh, in relation to the other trolls, which I think uh-huh. is just brilliant as far as sort of, you know, um, depicting uh, this this ancient being in comparison to the more historically younger beings um and how much they've changed yeah uh from one another and i mean obviously there are similarities they still have the the green skin and the large ears and you know the same body type Mm -hmm. uh they're they're all stout and sort of squat but um you know I'm, i'm looking at the panel with the first comer troll and then drub and flam and you can yeah. see just looking at the three of them how th- these the differences and the similarities between them mm-hmm. and how much the trolls have changed and it's, it's akin to the high ones and the wolf riders say totally right? yeah um, yeah my my take on this is that um it, it seems to me that the trolls rapidly you know physically change within like literally like a generation after crashing, like once they were not under the influence of the magic in the palace, mm-hmm. which made them these sort of more dainty, cute kind of things, mm-hmm. um, and that without that influence, like they're they're, and again, I don't mean this negatively, um, but they're de evolution or devolution, if that's a word. Mm, yeah, you know, like they basically yeah. like w- once they were away from the elves' magic, mm-hmm. they, they they kind of reverted back a little bit. And what's interesting. This is the thing that made me think this is the first Kermer troll. He's wrinkly, but he still has brown hair. He, you know, he hasn't grown this big beard. He, you know, he, he's nowhere near as ancient looking as even an elf like old Maggoty or again, Guttlecrawl was, right? His features are much finer in comparison right. to the other trolls, right? He and has so, a smaller nose and. Yeah. And so this guy is you know, pretty much fully immortal in the same way that the elves are. Like he doesn't really show major signs of aging. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. The, 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 the troll is born in the world of two moons. In addition to being bulkier and taller and musclier and having the big, you know, hooked noses, yeah. um, they age. And I think yeah, they're still true. immortal. They're mm-hmm. still immortal, mm-hmm. but they age. They get gray hair. They go bald. Uh, they get wrinkly. And I think that's just so interesting. You know, it's like, you know, again, in the absence of the elfin magic, how they, their evolution they picked up its own course. And even though they probably, again, are, are just as immortal as the elves, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're, they, 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 they're different enough that they, that they, they do so show the signs of age in the way that the elves don't. Yes. Which I think is kind of neat. Yeah. I agree. It, um, the other thing I wanted to point out as far as the art is concerned, uh, did you have something else you wanted to add to that? Nope. Okay, um, we get that small panel, uh, just a snippet uh, of the, well, what he was when he first arrived, which is from right. the first issue. Yeah. All the way back to the very beginning. Um, yeah. When the first comers uh, were escaping out of the palace or leaving, uh, exiting the palace after they crash landed, and we see that little troll guy, uh, yep. and that's him. Yeah. So there you go. We get that little <laughs> panel, right? That was so cool when I when I saw that, I was like, "Oh my god, that's from the very first issue. That's him." Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 there's actually another panel um, in um, Kings of the Broken Wheel, 
when at the very end, when Rayek is, is sort of looking up at the palace when it appears and he's making the decision not to merge the, the palaces together and wipe everybody out. Yeah. Um, you can see there's a little scene of the trolls cutting open the, um, the, the, the high ones cocoons and, mm-hmm. and he's there too. And some really, again, th- yeah, this was a Facebook thing, um, that you miss cause you're not participating um, <laughs> is, uh, Somebody posted that panel um, in one of the threads about the, this new issue and said, oh, look, I wonder if that's a first-comer troll. Uh, Wendy confirmed that it was. Oh, no way. Okay, I'm yeah. just pulling out my uh, book eight right now to look. Yeah, well, um, I, I will say this. Um, now that the issue's been out for, uh, at this point when we're recording, um, a little bit over a week, week and a half, um, um, and I you know, I think folks probably know that, um, that I help out with the ElfQuest website um, and... Uh, do a lot of the character profiles um, or keep them updated. So I think there's probably a pretty good chance that in the near future, maybe even by the time that this um, episode is out, that the first comer troll will be getting a character profile in which I will be linking to all of these other references. So awesome. don't feel like you have to go hunt it out because I've already done it. So <laughs> I just looked I just at it and to... I, can, I can see him there. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I just have to finish writing the profile and then have Wendy and Richard check off on it and make sure that I haven't come up with something in my brain that isn't actually true. And, <laughs> and, and then it'll get published. So again, by the time this podcast gets um, published, that might already be done. It just depends on how busy I am. So fantastic. <laughs> Good. Um, I hope he gets I'll do a all name the hard soon. One for you. <laughs> yes. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and we do thank you for that. Um, yeah, I hope he gets a name soon. I, I'm hoping by the next issue, at least, that he gets a name just so that we don't have to keep referring to him as the first comer. First comer yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it's kind of interesting that um, he didn't get a name, but I think probably, um, again, as a storytelling device to really drive home that this guy is different and special and, you know, he is a first comer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for right now, he's he's first comer troll <laughs> um remember i think it was last issue or last episode we were discussing uh, I, I mentioned that i had thought i had seen wendy make a, a winky face about kings of the broken wheel do you remember that mm-hmm. no. and, as though she was sort of uh, hinting that there was more to that uh that word kings of the broken wheel oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah i'm sure i'd seen that and i'm wondering now if this was what You're... it was in reference to it has to be right because he's king, yeah. right? And and this is part of again the broken wheel, yeah. I guess. You know, that was broken when they crashed there and everything. Wow, right. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, good memory. So I'm wondering <laughs> if that's maybe what this is, what yeah. what what her, uh, you know, right. winky face was for. Uh huh. Yeah, or we may never know, but I think that's a mm-hmm. pretty good theory. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So so um, speaking of drub and flam, yeah. Um, I, I, I love those two. Um, I really love the trolls, and I think that um, they're they're definitely some of my favorites. Um, but I really, really appreciate it. Again, just a little tiny thing that Wendy and Richard put there. Um, you know, when when you know the, the, they've convinced you know, or they've invited the first criminal troll to come to the palace, and he he you know obviously is agreeing, and then we see this kind of funny. Um, end to that scene with Skywise being like sighing and being like Sunstream, you better go get Drub and Flam. You know, what they're needed here to help keep the Frozen Mountain Trolls, you know, give them some leadership because their king's leaving with us. You know, it's kind of a funny moment and it puts mm-hmm. the trolls kind of in, you know, sort of the comedic light that they're often portrayed in. And, yeah. you know, the next page, you know, again, we see Drub and Flam, you know, barfing after riding in the palace because <laughs> they just, you know, 
And again, it's it's you know it's the comic relief that the trolls always always bring. Definitely. But they what, they what, suffer from car sickness whenever they <laughs> get into the uh, palace. Exactly. Yeah, and we saw the same thing in shards when they um, got sucked up with a palace pod when uh, you know the Wolf Riders yeah. defeated Cromwell. How are, how are any of the trolls going to be able to leave the world of two moons in the palace? <laughs> They'll be sick well, the entire time. Yeah, I think maybe it's just those two, or you know, maybe they just have to get used to it. But um, the reason I bring it all up is that you know. When I saw Skywise say that, it for half a second it was like, isn't that exactly the mentality that we're reconciling here, where the elves are just like, oh, make the trolls do something? Sorry, when he said what? I, when I'm Skywise sure. is like, Sunstream, go get Drup and Flam to come, you know, and and like, you know, part of that, you know, the, you know, going past, you know, the the, the fun funniness of it and the comic mm-hmm. relief mm-hmm. right when skyways made that comment i couldn't help but think you know we just had this powerful scene of sort of forgiveness and reconciliation about you know the elves apologizing for treating the the, the trolls as sort of their servants yes, and then you yes. have skywise kind of saying you know oh sunstream go just go collect those trolls and bring them here mm-hmm. like oh. they have no say in the matter right. they're just they gonna no go ahead yeah. And, yeah and so i bring it i bring it up because on the the next page literally the next panel um, Wendy and Richard geniusly sort of dealt with that, you know, that any kind of reaction like I had by having one of them say, you know, curse you, mangy elves for talking us into this, which says everything I needed to hear. It, me- it means that, you know, they went to the trolls and basically said, hey, here's another opportunity for you to, you know, sort of have another, you know, queendom going on. And Drub was like, sure, I want to do it. So it wasn't anything that they, the elves forced them to do, um, you know, the, the drub saw some self-interest in it and she said, well, let me go do it. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I just love that. I wanted to call attention to it. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, good observation. I think my, f- one of my favorite things about drub, uh, is the, uh, Madonna 1980s boob cones. <laughs> well, just like her great, 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 great grandma, Oddbit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> True enough. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I love that too. But they're fur lined, right? Because they're in yeah, the frozen yeah, mountains. The, so, yeah. yeah. And we just see a little glimpse of practical. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the other, that, that, on that, that page there, um, this is where I think I really fell in love with the first Kermit Troll, because when he sees the palace pod, Mm-hmm. He, again, he's sort of at his most innocent. And first, you know, he has this really cute comment about like, like seeing snow for the first time in thousands of years. And he's like, and he just giggles and he's like, oh, they're little, the snowflakes, little tiny, lovely crystals. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like, oh my God, you're so cute. And then, um, and then, and then, you know, that, that one panel where we see like a, that really, you know, awesome tight shot of him, um, that is just done with that detailed inking in the, 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 the original quest style. And he says, you know, you know, we're going back, um, back to the palace ship and then to the home sphere, you know, I, the star home, the original planet back to all that thrives below and the richest soil of all. And, um, it just, I don't know. I loved it. It just, it makes me, uh, it's uplifting, and yeah. not only is he uh, just a, a character that immediately makes you want to have empathy for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, seeing him happy makes me happy. Do you know what these panels reminded me of? Um, were reminded me of Little Patch when he was an old man, uh-huh. and he returned back to the Holt. Yeah, uh, it's that same sort of uh, childlike naivety. Right. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. That uh, comes from 
the elderly, you know, at, in some cases when right. you're when they're very old. I I don't know if it's dementia or just this sort of like childlike sort of wonderment and simplicity that sort of it just reminded me of those scenes of Little Patch when he mm-hmm. returned to the Holt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I could totally see see that. I mean, obviously not as um, sad as the scenes were. No, no. Um, yeah, because Little Patch dies then. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, no. I, I I see what you're saying. I think um, there's definitely a similarity there. Yeah, yeah. That that sort of innocence of 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 deep age. You know, like yeah. the childlike quality that um, that you know some people get when they when they reach advanced age and and basically like they just they don't have to give a you know what anymore yeah, and they can yeah. just sort of be yeah simple and joyous and, and all that yeah for mm-hmm. sure mm-hmm. um all right so the one thing that we haven't yep. talked talked about in reference to these scenes with the first comer troll at least that i can think of is um two edge and mm-hmm. you know how 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 his story kind of plays out um on the sideline a little bit it's not the focus of the scene but you know you mentioned earlier how you know two edge was like you know, really sad when he finally got brought into the chamber because the first comer troll basically rejected him. And, you know, based on who he is through no control, uh, you know, of his own on who he is, you know, and um, I think that's a pretty powerful statement too. you know, um, that the the pain that's caused when, you know, people um, are prejudiced against you just for who you actually are through no choice or fault of your own. But, um, but, you know, he even says to Cutter, you know, he doesn't really want to go in because, you know, he's met this troll before and, you know, he rejected him. And, um, and it is, you know, you could get a lot, a lot of empathy for Two Edge and how sad he looks. Um, but the best part of it all is, uh, good old Audrey yeah. not standing for any of that, of that, that garbage. And she mm-hmm. steps right in and says, stop that behave yourself and scolds him scolds the first comer troll but then you know true to audrey's form you know she she immediately goes to the positive and and says you know hey like let lita you know heal you and make you strong and 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 come back to the ship with us and see it and and you know and like you know no prejudice whatsoever on the on the part of audrey Mm -hmm. um saying you know we'd be honored to have you you know Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. really neat because Again, I'll, uh, my brain is going here, so I'm, 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 this is all occurring to me for the first time. But it makes me think of how the uh, the Sunfolk um, greeted and, and responded to Picknose and family when they were brought against their will, uh, as a little side note there, to the Sun Village in the palace. Um, you know, back in Kings of the Broken Wheel, and how you know the the. The, the point was made that the sun villagers were open. They greeted them. They, you know, they had no prejudice against the trolls. They just said, you know, Hey, join us, you know, uh, Betia, the, the, the sun villager, you know, brings them, um, you know, dreamberry wine and, 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 you know, they're open. They don't, they don't, the sun folk don't, didn't have the baggage that say the, um, the wolf riders and the gobacks did when it came to the trolls. And I think you're seeing that right here. Like, you know, it's no issue at all for Audrey to um, to welcome this troll with open arms. A, because, you know, she didn't have to go through wars with them. Um, although I will say she was held prisoner by the misfit trolls for however many years. That's true. So she does have reason to... Um, although she was in a cocoon, so she, it wasn't like she really... I, I don't think she really suffered 
Right. But she yeah. was cognizant even in the cocoon yeah. that you know she was she was in danger if she didn't use her magic. Yeah, that's true. Um, and so mm-hmm. so anyway, I just thought it was a really great illustration of how you know the Sunfolk really in many ways represent the best and brightest of what the elves could be mm-hmm. on the world of two moons. Mm-hmm. You know, open and I think again that's all the influence of Saba and her worldview of you know sort of peace and and unity and coming together and and all of that. And it's and you know if it, if it weren't Audrey there. Um, you know, I'm sure they would have gotten to the same point, but, um, you know, Lita might have been the one to say it, or even Nightfall or Redlands. But, mm-hmm. you know, if there, if there, if that was another elf there, you know, imagine if that were Kavi standing there, like, right. no, yeah. that, like, that ain't going to happen. But anyway, she steps in and I just love the look on Two Edge's face. I was yeah, he goes that, yeah. from being sullen mm-hmm. and, you know, just, you know, justifiably just feeling, you know, this look of being downtrodden. And then Audrey steps in for him and he just has this almost, the, the, the expression is so interesting. It's, it's, it's equal parts like surprise mm-hmm. and, and happiness. And it's almost like, I can't believe somebody just stood up for stood me. Stood up for me. Yeah. And, and, and even the panel before that, when Cutter puts his hand on Two Edge's shoulder. Right, right. Right. And says yeah. that, you know, elves and troll, uh, how, how could Two Edge come to be and puts his hand on his shoulder? And you can see the, the shock, uh, yeah, on Two totally. Edge's face, even in that it's just a, um, a, a profile view of him, but you yeah. can see the shock. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even notice that until you just pointed it out. And you're absolutely right. Yeah. Two Edge is like, what? Like, you know, what a sad, sad existence mm-hmm. that Two Edge has had. And, and, you know, and, and again, he, he hasn't done himself any favors, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, I mean, he just, I, I'm so glad that 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 Two Edge is, is is being treated like a like just like a normal person, you know. Yeah. Um, and and Cutter says it earlier um, in the scene too. Um, let me scroll back here. You know, when when Two Edge is saying like, "I'll keep the the the, the troll guards quiet because they still respect me, but I can't go in there because he despised me." And and Cutter even says then and puts his hand on on Two Edge's shoulder and says. We don't despise you. Everyone has two sides. Mm-hmm. And even there, Two Edge's face is like, you know, kind of sadness and despair, but also like, like surprise, shock, you know? Yeah. So, um, just really, really great stuff. Like, again, it's this, all of this stuff just makes me have like a warm, fuzzy feeling inside, and I'm not ashamed to say it. <laughs> I'm still, uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty convinced at this point that there's something happening between Audrey and Two Edge. <laughs> Oh, totally. I mean, come on, people. If, if like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think anybody with a perception can see that there's a little thread of of, of something developing there, right? Definitely. I mean, what a way to upturn our expectations, though, right? Because by the end of Shards, we were all pretty much convinced that something was going to happen with Venka and Two Edge. Totally. Well, and now, okay. And so, speaking of Venka, yes. <laughs> How about the other, that segue, right? I set other, you up. <laughs> Yeah, you totally set me up there. Um, I am listen. I, I what I I am totally owning that. I am completely equar when it comes to elf babies. Like I just want there to be many elf babies, and I want to watch over the elf babies, and I want to play with the elf babies, and you know, just be a doting grandpa figure to all of the elf babies. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, yeah, I am. I had no no. Guess that this came out of left field. Well, right. No guess a that there would be another pregnancy at this point in the story. What? Right. Yeah. 
Right. I mean, we, yes. the final quest alone, we've had what three of them, two of them. Um, and we've seen, you know, the younger elves grow up and, and, you know, obviously, you know, flashbacks or whatever, um, mm-hmm. you know, free touch and, and Corife and, um, and Shukapek and, 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 you know, so totally was not expecting there to be another elf baby. And then the fact that it's Venka, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah, yeah. huge uh, so, shocker so, in this issue and, yeah. and such a throwaway line too. Right. At the end yeah. of that panel, like, <laughs> what? And then, yeah, Cutter, or sorry, Rayek's face at the the end of that whole sequence there. What? Little one in his face yeah. is like, holy shit. Totally. Yeah, he's talking about sort of standing in for the reader there. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, so I, I have to ask this question. Let's talk about this. Who's the baby daddy? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I know that there's been some, uh, you know, people have been talking about this. And uh, I don't know. I I have a few feelings. I have okay. Some people have said it might be Ekwar, which right. mm, I'm not. I don't think so. Um, I don't. I don't know. I just don't see it. So uh, I think it's either it's going to be one of two things. I think it's going to be Murph, who is uh-huh. my my favorite. Go back now. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> or we're not going to know. We're not going to find yeah. out who it is. So I'm, I'm with you. Those, those are that, that I had the exact same response and prediction. Like, I think if any, if any, if it's, if it's a go back, it, it's probably Murph. I mean, we've seen them sharing the furs in the last, in the most recent, uh, go back orgy. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we saw them, you know, Venka with Murph and with my fa- my favorite go back, the, uh, the, the, the female go back with the really, um, the Aqualine nose that mm-hmm. I'd love to say, yeah. um, whose name we don't have. Maybe we'll get it by the end, but um, obviously she can't be the the the, the other parent, right? Because they're both yeah. female. But yeah. um, so my guess would be that it is Murph, because um, mm-hmm. again they're obviously you know love mates on some level, and um, and he's but... been he's been so. Uh, he a bit of a standout as far as the go backs are concerned, yeah, right? For sure. Throughout this for entire sure. series, he's sort right. of been the standout go back. Yep. And yeah. you got to wonder why, like right. why was he in particular chosen as as this sort of token go back? Exactly, yeah. So mm-hmm. again, I'm right there with you. I think that those all point that he probably is the father. Yeah. Although I, you know, I do like what you said, um, you know, about uh, maybe we'll just never know. Yeah, because I have a feeling that if I could totally see Venka making a comment like the go backs don't care who the sire is um, exactly the yeah. go backs are raised by the entire tribe and they don't you know the, the sire could be anybody but right. they, they don't like keep track of that essentially and how could you with the right. amount of orgies that they're having exactly <laughs> right but, listen, so I... I could totally see her making a comment like that and and saying like i'm a go back now or i am the chiefess of the go backs and go backs right. do not live like that you know right. something yeah. along those lines yeah. Well, I, I don't even think it would be a question among any of the elves. No, it wouldn't. But but particularly for the Gobacks, because with all the other tribes, we always know who the. Uh, well, wait a second. No, we don't well, necessarily most, well, because well, we don't know for sure who Sust's father is. Right. Well, I think you know, with all the other tribes, it usually only happens through recognition. So you kind yeah, of exactly. know who the who both parents are. But right. with the go-backs, you know, it's anyone's guess. But yeah. Exactly. What I meant is that I don't even think that would be a question that even the other tribes would ask. Like Rayek oh, would ask it though. Well, you know, you're probably right. Rayek's gonna ask um, it. Okay. That's what I. The, okay, this is my <laughs> your prediction. My prediction. Okay, Rayek's gonna ask, and then Venk is gonna say something about the go-backs. Not worrying about that. 
Right. That's gonna. Be, that's my prediction. Okay. All but right. I would. I, I, I would like it to be Murph though. Just put yeah. that out there. Because well, I that, like that, Murph. Yeah. Me too. Me too. However, I will say this. Okay. As soon as um, people were were speculating that maybe it was Equar, like my initial reaction was like, no. That's no. kind of gross to me. And but the more I read people's yeah. reasoning, uh-huh. and the more I'm thinking, could it be? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, no, but that's, I, I've cracked the door to the possibility because why not? No, I I can't <laughs> see it because it's just too. He's too much like her grandfather to me. So I have yeah. just aversion to it. Yeah, actually, it like makes me feel. Icky. Icky. Yeah. <laughs> well, but that I think that's the thing for me that made me like as soon as I, I realized that that is why I was like no way, then it made me just realize that I mean we've seen Equar, you know, having you know in a in a in a in an adult light, right? I mean, there's he and and the the go back Erda were featured in the original. Go oh back yeah. Erda. And in Kings of the Broken Wheel, when um, they build a pack of you know Sun Village maidens saying, "Come on, Rick, let's come to our hut," and, and Equar is coming too, and Rick declines, and Equar goes, "Oh, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. Equar has sex, you know." Yeah, for and so, sure. It, so I, again, I I would be surprised if that's who it was, but after you know, this is what I love about all the discussion that goes on is that you know, hearing other people's perspectives sometimes. You know, helps me see things in a different way and, and opens me up to possibilities that I otherwise wouldn't have thought about. And mm-hmm. so I'm reserving like maybe like a 1% chance that maybe they'll just bring this in, even mo- make it more out of left field and make it make Equar be the daddy. So I don't wow. know. We'll okay. Well, we'll see. Um, I'm not going to bet against you um, that it could be Murph. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I hope it's Murph over Equar. Let's say that. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, but how about that for the anticlimactic uh, showdown between Venka and Rayek, right? We were talking about this last episode, <laughs> that we were hoping there was going to be like a, a huge battle royale between the two of them. Not yeah. so, because well, uh, we did yeah. we did kind of conjecture, though, that this might be how it sure. pans out, right? That they wouldn't have to. Right. I'll put it this way. If, if because I was really chomping at the bit to see Equar get his ass, or to see Ray get his ass kicked. Mm-hmm. And we see, and we, and we do get a, a delicious little, um, you know, appetizer of that. You know, Venka totally, you know, negates his magic, knocks him right out of the sky. He smashes to the ground. He's basically, um, you incapacitated. know, incapacitated. And then Venka, you know, does not mince words. And she's like, you know, How keep your ass down, or I'm gonna keep you down. You yeah, know, yeah. And so I did get my satisfaction out of that. Like she and, was ready, she was ready to kick some ass. Right oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's pissed. Mm-hmm. However, I can totally, like, I'm totally satisfied um, with the scene, even though Ray didn't get a further beating because of the revelation, revelation that Venka is pregnant. So, mm-hmm. like, that totally, like, made up for the fact that we didn't get to see Ray get his, his butt kicked. I love what she says to him, I'll keep you grounded till the moons melt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's such um, a good line. Yeah. So, so what a gorgeous, gorgeous panel of that tight shot of Ray, again, with the old school style, um, really delicate um, detail matching yeah. of the line work there. Mm-hmm. What, what a perfect, again, a perfect panel um, if Wendy was going to use that technique anywhere to use it on this this 
you know, where Ray basically, you know, is, is owning up to his own mistakes and saying that he's learned the hard way. Um, and, you know, he's, he's completely humble. The expression on his face is, is it, it's, it's almost odd to see it on Ray because it's kind of peaceful and serene. There's no anger. There's no, um, aggression things that we normally associate with Rayek. It's um, serene. He, yeah. Let's let's talk about the art there in that that particular panel that you're referring to where he is talking about Winnowill and how much he actually physically looks like Winnowill in that panel. Oh, that's interesting. There is a well there's obviously the hair, right? Um Yeah, but not just that in the bone structure of his face. Well, there I is think... there is a combination of Rayek and Winnowill in his face in that panel, <laughs> and I think that that was on purpose because he's specifically talking about Winnowill, right? In so that panel, I, I can see. I didn't, it. I didn't see that um, until you know, like I, that's not something that I thought of when I saw it. However, because I do, I mean, Rayek and Winnowill have very different shaped faces. I mean, he's got a much you know more prominent jaw. Mm-hmm. Um, however, yeah, definitely. The thing that I was actually about to say, yeah. um, just before you said that, is that this depiction of Rayek um, has a such a feminine note to it, and I maybe yeah. we're, we're we're saying the same thing, and we're just yeah. perceiving it slightly differently. Well, the femininity um, to me is Winnowill's femininity. That's what right. I see. What a fascinating observation! Yeah, I see Winnowill in him. I can. I mean, now that you say that, like I can see again a femininity, and maybe that is a representation of Winnowill. I almost th- think that it's her self-shaping him to some extent, to some minuscule extent that he's talking about her. And I almost feel like right now, like, Rick sort of physically, on on very small level, shifts shaping, uh-huh. shape-wise, between well, himself and Winnowill. Yeah, you I know, get that and, and- sense from the artwork. Even if it's, you know, even if it's not literally meant to be true, like you're totally right that they're just in the way that Wendy depicts in, in a very subtle way, Ray, from, you know, one mood to the next. I, I completely agree. I think that that there is this suggestion there in the in the way that, again, Wendy has kind of, again, in a very subtle way depicted him. Um, I see, I see Winnell's nose. I see the eyes, even her eyes. Yeah. I mean, the more you say it, the more the I hair. I, yeah. yeah. I, I can totally see it. And uh, I totally see it. think about when he took the spirits of the gliders into him, how they physically changed him. Right. Yeah, well, they made him taller like, yeah. almost instantaneously. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I think all of this is just, uh, again, another really great um, sort of note that's being uh, – or thread that's being woven through Final Quest of this – well, actually, all of Quest of Rayek kind of being Cutter Shadow. Um, and this, you know, the, 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 the comparison, um, and the contrast of, of the Tamein Tam and Ray Winnowill, you know, they're both, you know, they're, they're, they're each other's shadows. And, and, and now that we know that Cutter and Tamein are really one being, you know, you have that contrasted with, Rayek and Winnowill being two beings, but trapped in one body. What do you think it's, he means when he says, um, the limits of my control, uh, or he says things have changed between her spirit and me. What is he referencing specifically? Well, I think he's referencing, you know, what his his, his speech to her, um, you know, as she was trying to help get him killed when he was mm-hmm. attacking the, the, the fleet, 
And, you know, where he basically, you know, maybe I, I think it was the first time that he said and, and, and by saying, you know, they were sort of talking on the spirit plane. So like emotions were coming along with it, you know, where he really truly communicated to her the depth of his love and that he's not keeping her prisoner solely for his own selfish reasons. Um, and that, and, and how that, that sort of, you know, that plus Reef's, um, you know, Reef's forgiveness sort of totally knocked Winnowill off balance. And I think that that whole scene, you know, they came, the two of them came to a new understanding of mm-hmm. what, what their, their situation is all about. And I think that's what he's saying. You know, he's learned that, um, you know, the hard way about the limits of his control and that, you know, there has, there is this change. And I think Ray, it, it, more than anything, probably more than Winnowill is moving forward, you know, going to treat the way that he's imprisoning her differently. And again, that's the Rayek that we see in Rogue's Curse. And frankly, that face is the face of Rayek that we see in Rogue's Curse. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, he's a little bit more elegant and, you know, eventually, you know, Winnowill we know is going to shape his body into a high one form. But mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, it's, um, yeah, a mm-hmm. pretty powerful scene. Mm-hmm. Um, really, even just those two panels, you know, of what mm-hmm. of, of Enka being like, I'm going to keep you down and Rayek, you know, Again, like so unlike the old Rayek, who would meet, you know, uh, you know, who you would expect to lash out and be kind of sharp and aggressive, is this sort of serene, uh, you know, kind of even though he's pinned to the ground, um, you know, serene, uh, accepting, fluid—all words that you do not associate with Rayek. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think again we're seeing the evolution of Rayek into this whole new character that um, is the, is the Rayek that ultimately, again, we see in, in Rogue's Curse. I'm just thinking of the light within the shadow and the shadow within the light mm-hmm. and how, you know, we're discovering the light within the shadow of Rayek and Winnowill and we're yeah, discovering sure. the shadow within the light of Tamane. What's in the reference- shadow of in- well, the, how they treated the trolls. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting observation, for sure. Yeah. I never really would have th- thought that. But yeah, there's there's tons of this. I mean, we could probably spend an entire podcast just sort of theorizing um, about... Analyzing all, those yeah, ideas. Yeah. yeah. Um, that just made hmm. me think of something else, which escaped my mind. So give me a second, and it will come back. Okay, uh, well, while you're thinking about that, I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, Skywise uh, and uh, getting back to the shadow within the light. And you right. mentioned earlier, you know, his his uh, ascend to Sunstream to go grab Drub and Flam and sort of negating the choice of the trolls, just expecting them to drop everything and do whatever the elves want. Um, and that reminds me of him uh, several issues back um, when he said at one point i forget to whom it was but it was during the um when they were all in the halt it was the gathering of all the chiefs and uh skyway said something along the lines of it was right after he had joined with Tamine, and he said something along the lines of how all the elves have to go they have to be right. convinced to go and um you know, that's sort of the shadow within Skywise, I think. And, you know, we have yet to see this come to fruition and come to a head, but I feel like it's going to be getting there within the next six issues. We already had this confrontation between Cutter and Skywise that doesn't really seem to have um, been fully resolved yet. Although yeah. by the end of this issue, there was a bit of a resolution, but I, it hasn't been fully resolved to this point. Yeah. But I, I want, you know, I expect to see more of this 
um, Skywise's, uh, um, you know, plan almost, or, uh, his idea that, you know, all the elves have to go, that they should be going, they should be leaving the world of two moons and that to stay is the the wrong choice. And, you know, how far is he going to take that? Yeah. I think that's gotta be, um, one of the central plot points of the, of these last six issues, right. Mm -hmm. Is, is, you know, Skywise is, you know, like there's a lot going on with Skywise, right? And and I think we're just in this issue, really beginning to, you know, peel that the the, the layers of that onion. So, number one, um, I think Skywise is pretty justified in being pissy with Cutter, right? Because here's somebody that you know, for most of your lives at this point, you have shared everything, um, every secret, you know, knowing each other on the soul level, and suddenly, you know, Cutter acts crazy, runs off. They have to go through all these, and then all of a sudden he snaps out of it. And it's like, come on, we're going on another quest, but won't tell you where or anything. So I. But on top of get that, why? On top of that, won't share his soul name anymore. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so I can totally see why Skywise is trying to be patient, but he's also, you know, letting his pissiness kind of come through. I think. You know, I don't blame him. And so, you know, at the, this last scene here um, is also fascinating because, again, you kind of see Skywise has a lot more um, resentment in him, you know, in his attitudes towards humans. Um, and, and here we see, you know, his attitudes towards the trolls mm-hmm. are, you know, frankly, more along the lines of Rayek than, 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 than Cutters, right? Like, mm-hmm. Skywise is like, okay, like, I'll trust them to a point, but like, I don't want them around, you know, like Mm -hmm. I want this for the elves and it's kind of sad and scary, you know, how easily Skywise in his, in his joy at sort of rediscovering their, their heritage and their roots could so easily fall into the same trap that the high ones originally did going back to our conversation about them sort of cluelessly being, you know, slavers, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, Skywise is showing no indication of having the, uh, you know, cognizance or the self-reflection to avoid going down that path again. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of scary. And so um, even though I get why he's pissy at Cutter, I'm still really concerned about his, his, you know, him saying that he wants to, you know, not let the trolls come along if they want to. And, and his co- earlier comments that you were just talking about, about basically forcing all the elves to become immortal and go back to the stars because that's what he thinks is great. I I find Skywise can be very um, what's the right word maybe nonchalant to a fault at times in his character. What do you uh, mean? Well, that he doesn't really consider the ramifications of a lot of his ideas. Right. Um, and that I think is analogous to Rayek. And as right. much as as much as Cutter and Rayek are meant to be sort of the um, the, the the contrast to one another, I I also see a lot of that with. Um, Skywise and Rayek. Oh, for sure. I mean, think about Kings of the Broken Wheel when Skywise and Rayek have that whole interaction. When Skywise is trying to, you know, talk rationally with with uh, with Rayek about, you know, why maybe stealing the power or taking saving the High Ones might not be the best thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have this sort of almost like a peer relationship in a way that, um, you know, in, in terms of like, uh, you know, ability to see you know, big concepts in a way that Cutter doesn't necessarily, um, in his earthy wolf rider way, always see. So yeah, I totally, totally a hundred percent 
hear what you're saying and agree about that there is this this yin and yang with Skywise and Rayek as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean, Skywise has taken on the role of Master of the Palace, which was originally what uh, Rayek's goal was, right? Sure. Uh, it, yeah. He's almost usurped that that role to some extent uh, from Rayek, not intentionally, but just by yeah. virtue of the way that the you know the story's gone. Um, he's almost like the counterpart to Rayek, but I, I see some of that in Skywise as well, that sort of uh, not um, empathizing with what others would want or what they what their choices would be. And and sort of, you know, he I can see the danger in him getting to that point where he thinks that what his choices are are best for everyone. Totally, yeah. And, and you know, yin and yang really isn't the right word for Skywise and Rayek because they're actually much more alike mm-hmm. than they are opposite. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. um, I don't know what the right comparison or the right kind of analogy would be to describe them, but they're they're almost like um, – it's like two, two sides of the same pod. point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. two sides of the same yeah. Um, and, and, you know, they're, they're, they're coming at things from a very different point of view, but they're kind of coming to the same conclusions. Yeah. Yes. Which, I, I think that's what's been, um, you know, just I've had this little little kind of uh, voice and this little anxiety about Skywise throughout Final Quest because of, of that. You know, it's like he seems to be, again, sort of in his in his in what. What he sees as a positive thing and a, and a, you know, like a glorious thing, a return to their roots and their powers and giving these people freedom, you know, and their heritage back. He sees that as really positive, but he's completely blind to the fact that that could actually be a really horrible thing if choice is not involved. Yeah. And that's what Rayek was suggesting in Kings of the Broken Wheel. Mm-hmm. And, and again, now that we're having this conversation and after everything we were just saying about the reconciliation that's represented between, you know, Cutter or the elves and the trolls between Cutter asking for, uh, you know, apologizing to the first comer troll. It's like Skywise is here representing the exact opposite of that or the potential exact opposite of that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and that final conversation, yeah, they do seem to have some reconciliation because Cutter acknowledges that, you know, that, and, you know, acknowledges that, that Skywise is right, you know, to, and, 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 and being frustrated, um, and, and, you know, without actually offering to explain anything, he at least acknowledges that, yeah, you're right. I'm not telling you my soul name and, you know, I am a, a tangle of secrets right now. Um, and they do reconcile and they hug and they kind of walk off together and Skyways. um, you know, does say, Cutter, what do you want more than anything? You know, which I think is a, a huge act of um, him Him asking that question is a huge act of or a representation of his love of Cutter um, mm-hmm. and willingness to decide his own, you know, issues or whatever. But Skywise still doesn't seem fully like there's more to happen with Skywise is, is I guess, all I'm going to say. Yeah. And like I said, I don't think that this is anywhere near being fully resolved yet. Yeah. Yeah, um, um, I think there are there's elements of I don't know if hatred is is the right word to use, but um, within Skywise towards trolls and humans still, and I feel like that that's coloring a lot of the choices that he's making. 
I think bitterness is the bitterness. Right word. Yeah, maybe that's the right word. You know, yeah. I don't think he outright hates them, but he's bitter at you know what he perceives to see you know the, the, the their wrongdoing towards elves, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and particularly he, to his own. I mean, his parents were killed by right. humans, right? And he just um, he can't seem to let it go in a way that that Cutter can. Yeah, you know, in a way like Skywise for all of his big thinking, you know. Lets himself get weighted down by some of these, you know, this this sort of low thinking. And Cutter, being an earthy wolf rider who doesn't have these lofty, you know, sort of thoughts the way that uh, Skywise does, oftentimes is better at perceiving the the you know, sort of the the biggest highest point of view that um, that's out there. So it's it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah, uh, uh, I love these panels though on the last page of the two of them interacting with each other, particularly yeah. the one where. Um, it's like the third one where Cutter's got his arm around Skywise and Skywise is looking at him and just the expressions yeah. on their faces. And it's just my, mm-hmm. my favorite panel on this page is the first one where you see them both in profile. Yeah, that's a great um, one too. It's just, it's, it's, I don't know. It, again, it, it's new art that has a feel like that, that, that could be in the original quest. Yeah, it could. Yeah. You know, it's very yeah. much in that old school style. Um, yeah. I mean, even it's something as simple as the way their hair is blowing in the wind. Like, you can feel the, the cold wind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I noticed that, too. And, you know, also the fact that you can see their breath. Yeah. 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 Great use of the effects. Uh, you totally. Know, for yeah. Photoshop effects. And, and yeah. the last panel is great, too. The framing mechanism that Wendy uses with um, the backs of Nightfall, Nightfall. and Red Lance's heads. Yeah. Um, framing the, the trio. Yeah. Let's come back. Really great panel. Before we talk about what's said in that panel, I want to end with that because okay. it's just a good spot to end. But there's mm-hmm. still a few more things um, to dive into with this issue. So um, let's take take us ourselves back to the palace because okay. there's a bunch of stuff that happens in the palace, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I'm just kind of scrolling through back here. Um, so, okay, we get into the palace um, and we immediately see some pretty – incredible stuff right so um we're kind of through the viewpoint of 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 moonshade and sava and we see that the elves the palace dwellers uh, well a whole bunch of stuff number one their magical abilities are like going through the roof right like it seems like the pace at which the palace is changing them is like just going at a sprint right now their Mm -hmm. bodies are high one you know shaped and they obviously can shape themselves into whatever they want at this point a bunch of them are able to be floating and flying they've regained that power and then we learn this this just again mind-blowing power of of being able to like take your vibration and bring it to the point where your particles are no longer visible to the eye, which is like some crazy, you know, high level physics stuff that my brain does not understand. But But not even your, like not even your own physical body, but also like objects on you. Right. Because Sava specifically says you can hasten the hum of even what you wear. So they're able to manipulate like the materials, the the molecules around them like this is like physical manipulation of the like physical world that's how powerful they are now like reality manipulation almost it's crazy it's it's no different than rock shaping yeah no that's true yeah you know it's just it's taking it to another level i guess you know but the elves have always been able to manipulate the matter around them yes and and so in this case we're seeing that um not only can they now manipulate their own matter in this Mm -hmm. really again sort of high physics kind of way Mm -hmm. 
probably looked into the science of this, that, that, that this is all based on like actual theory of what could actually be, um, or maybe it already is. And it's just sort of put into fantasy elfin magic terms. And I have to guess that if you dove into like the deep physics of it all, that there's probably, um, you know, actual theories or, or even proven science that, you know, would show that this actually is something that's possible. And it's just kind of, you know, packaged in fantasy magic terms uh, for ElfQuest. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. But that's always been sort of the underlying premise to their powers, right? There's totally, always exactly. been sort of this um, intimation of, like, this could potentially be real based on, like, the physics that we know of. You know, yeah. like, this could – it's almost like um, a speculative science in a way. You know, right. in in the guise of a fantasy story. But uh, so what, what were we talking about as far as the this ability to turn invisible? Um, I mentioned earlier in, in this episode, uh, you know, this seems to be like, why, why would this be necessary for them if they're traveling the star home? And then you made a good point that if they're traveling to other planets, it would be definitely um, it could come in handy. But I, I feel like it's foreshadowing to the elves that decide to stay, if they learn this ability, what a great way to be hidden in plain sight amongst the humans, right? Yeah, and you know what? That's, um, that, again, that's not something I really thought about, but I think you're onto something there because we know that the elves stay on the planet, but, um, you know, they don't, they don't, um, well, based on the, the, the future stories that have already been told, you know, you don't see them running around. The humans don't seem to know them. So I wonder if you're right, if that maybe there is going to be some um, passing on of this trait and, and teaching of it to the elves that remain. Although, mm-hmm. I don't know, it would be kind of weird for the, the wolf riders who obviously I think most of them are going to stay. Um, maybe not so obvious. I don't know. <laughs> I have so to be much- careful <laughs> like yeah. assuming things are obvious because half the time when I do that, then they end up not being, but <laughs> <laughs> so much of dream time, uh, I recall is about the elves finding ways to hide, uh, whether it's through shaping or I guess, well, mainly it's through shaping themselves into other right. forms, right? Like we already have seen them shaping themselves into human forms. Shen Shen being, you know, right. the main example of that. And that was, that was foreshadowed in dream time. We discussed that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, this could be just another way for them to hide themselves. You know, they're the hidden ones. They are. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, all um, of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess we're just going to keep reading, but, um, but you've made me think a little bit about that now and, and, you know, what that implication could be if other elves outside of the palace learn that, you know, I, I didn't think that though, because it seems to me to be something that you can only do with the full support and power of the palace. Of the palace. Yeah, you so know, that's the so, other thing that gives me pause and makes me wonder, well, could they, without the palace, could they be able to do this? Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, one thing that uh, just prior to the, the first page in the palace here, um, who is it? Aud- Audrey uh, shapes the stone to uh-huh. uh, allow Cutter and Skywise to escape from the attacking trolls. And um, so she rock shapes, and then it, it, on the next page we've got we're back in the palace and at the very top it says rock shaping one of the many kinds of magic that awaken with practice into full bloom in the palace of the high ones and so that's clearly suggesting to us there that rock shaping um is an ability that can be learned and that the sun folk who are now the 
palace dwellers um, mm-hmm. could could learn that ability within the palace that they actually have, right? Because they're manipulating the palace. Itself, exactly, yeah. Which, yeah is, no, think... which is a type of stone, crystal. Yeah. Um, but part of me, when I read that, I kind of, my heart sunk a little bit, and I'll explain to you why. Okay. Because now characters like Equar and Audrey aren't so special anymore. Right. And that kind of makes me go, oh, like, that's a little disappointing in a way for me um because you know those abilities set them apart and it made them sure. special and now if everybody can do it then it's it's well, not special I, right and well I, I, i've always understood that um or been under the understanding that you know the high ones all had you know sort of a, a wide range of manifestations of mm-hmm. their magical powers mm-hmm. but that maybe some of them had a you know, uh, a little specialty. bit more of a specialty or whatever, right? And and I think that you know the 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 elves born on the world of two moons, you saw that in a very specific way because most elves had lost the ability to use magic, and 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 some of them, you know, manifested per- one particular power or another. You know, maybe again based on those natural predilections. Um, so sure, yeah, I mean, it, it's not a surprise to me that in the palace the elves are all learning all of this wide range of, of magical ability. Um, because again, I think all magic is one. I think on the world of two moons, it could only push through the dampening effect, you know, one power at a time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just like with rock shaping, like you said, everybody's in the palace learning to do that. Well, um, they're also learning to glide and float. You know, you could see mm-hmm. a bunch of them floating. And, you know, maybe maybe Moonshade, um, you know, to some level, you know, is a kind of a rock shaper um, that she can manipulate the palace, you know, when she's in it. But maybe her power, again, is going to focus more on this invisibility, um, you know, uh, skill mm-hmm. so that, um, you know. So, yeah, I guess it does on one level make them less interesting um or make it less interesting in the story but you have to remember that you know this is the end of this big story arc i don't know yeah um you know how i don't know that we'll ever like follow the adventures of the elves in the palace you know and and you know and maybe that's partly why because when they're when they've achieved this this level there's really not much much else to say yeah there's not much else to say um yeah Unless you start yeah. taking those powers away again, you know they really are kind of ascending to their their highest form at their highest peak, and you know frankly that doesn't make for the best story, right? Right. You, know, you need right. some conflict and some 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 weakness, and and that's not where the story is taking this particular group. So, right. but interesting interesting to think about. Yeah. Um. So here's something that I'm hoping um, that we are are revealing and breaking for the first time. Um, because I haven't seen anybody mention it yet. And, um, again, by the time this gets all edited together and, and made live, maybe it will have come up. But looking at that first page in the palace, when we see, again, this group of elves floating and everybody's ethereal and everything, we see right there, um, right to Sava's right, um, with their backs to us, we see Malene. And she's holding hands with another elf, another female elf. And if you go to the next page, we see the two of them, we see Malene sort of, um, you know, becoming invisible, and the other elf are kind of reaching out and putting her hand right through her. That's Verda. We finally get confirmation that Verda is still alive. Go back to uh, A Heart's Way, uh, or The Heart's Way, the story 
back in the Sun Village yeah. where we see, you know, the threesome uh, love mates, uh, Rafael, Maline, and Verda kind of fighting over which one is going to get to recognize Skywise. And, um, you know, Verda sort of, you know, that was really the last we saw of her. Um, mm-hmm. And so... How do you know that's her? It's got to be her. She's just... got the same color hair. It's sort of a brown color. Yeah. And she's holding hands with Maline, so... You know, they, they've been love mates for, you know, again, thousands of years. And now, um, you know, they lost Rafael, obviously, and the two of them are still together in the palace. I just think that's so awesome. And again, this is not like a main plot point. It's not, they're not main characters, but we're getting told a story, a whole sub story just by their appearance in these two panels. Now, there's, you know, if I'm wrong, I'm sure. Wendy and Richard will pipe up. I hope that they do, but I have to guess that that is who they are. I mean, it's a little bit hard to say 100% because their bodies are different. I mean, Malene is, she's got that, you know, that, that distinctive haircut, but, um, you know, uh, I'm pretty sure that that's who that's supposed to be. Okay. I'm just looking at, um, the hearts way right now. So I'm just trying to get them identified here. I mean, I know who Malene is, which one is, so you're saying that's Verda? Yeah, Verda, um, back in the old Sun Village days, had sort of like a triangular headpiece on, um, and she had sort of like a medium brown hair. Um, is she the one who, uh, yeah, she was the one that was, that like Skywise, right? That right. was, uh... she, that was like pining for Skywise oh, in a yeah, way okay, that Rafael okay, and Maline okay. were not. And she's the one that, that got nipped by Star Jumper, um, and, you know, got all upset about it and okay. was just all weepy. And she's the one that had that conversation with Lita about, you know, uh, not being jealous and, and open, being open and sharing and all of that. Right, and, right, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking at her here in the heart's way. I don't know if I agree with you hundred <laughs> percent. All right. <laughs> it um. could be, but <laughs> one of the identifying features for the elves to me is their hair right. and her hair doesn't look like, Okay, so this elf that you're referring to in this issue doesn't look like she has the same hair as Verda in the Heart's Way. Well, okay, so to that point, number one, that was 10,000 years ago. Number two, she is shaped into a high one form. So, you know, and number three, she's not wearing the headpiece that she was wearing. So you stick that on there. Verda, when in her Sun Villager days, had, again, sort of that medium brown hair, um, she had bangs. I mean, we see all of that. But she did, this one doesn't have bangs. I don't see that. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the, the not on the first page where you see her from behind, she's well, certainly her. She's got something going on in the front of her hair there yeah. that's not not long like it is in the back. It's the elf mullet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, I will defer to Wendy and Richard. Yes, uh, if they if <laughs> that is my, my to let us know. And I'm sticking to it, okay. and and you know what? Here's here's the wonderful thing about all this mm-hmm. is that if it probably won't be... it right. It probably won't ever get a specific answer, mm-hmm. and that's just fine because that means it could be whoever you want it to be. That's Maybe right. it's a completely different elf. I think it's Verda, and I'm sticking with that. But... <laughs> <laughs> then go with it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, what else is going on here? We have this. Um, a couple panels, we see Ingen and Jara, Rayek's parents, saying, you know, echoing what the um, the wave dancers were saying a few episodes, a few issues back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that, um, you know, they're saying, you know, we we were the sun folk, but soon we're going to be star folk. 
Yeah. Um, and the, the, you know, spray and salt and, and snakeskin said something similar, you know, we're going to be sky dancers or star dancers instead of wave dancers. Mm-hmm. But I think that's really kind of cool and exciting. And then we see my favorite good old Minya with her woven hat. Um, I love that she's sticking to her, her old, you know, fashion sense, even in the palace. Yeah. Um, you know, I love this line too, you know, um, you know, that they're going to take the, the, the color that the, the, the sun gave them on the world of two moons into the, into the, you know, the palace when they leave. And I think this is a reference back to the final quest special where there's a comment that like, Oh, that Raphael, like your skin's getting paler, which I think was only ever meant to be a reflection that they're not living in the sun anymore, that they're living inside the palace. Mm-hmm. And so their skin maybe isn't as dark as it was, but the fact that, um, you know, they're choosing that the look of 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 their, their their life on the world of two moons and and to take that for them take that forward with them kind of as part of their heritage i think is kind of awesome it's funny because um, when i first read that i took that to mean the not the color of their skin but the color of their clothing because they always dress so colorfully well i think and in that particular panel you see uh ingen and jara and they're you know she's wearing pinks and yellows and he's in uh-huh. blues and i just that was my first when I first read it, that's what I thought she meant. And I, then I, I, I think it could be that too. Although yeah. Minya herself is not wearing any color. No, no. <laughs> She's yeah. in that like see-through. See-through. Yeah. yeah. So I, 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 I exhibitionists. I know. I think that both interpretations of that line are, are totally spot on. I think it's, again, for me, the bigger takeaway yeah, has less to do with either one of them and more this idea that even though they're turning to something new, they're not just, you know, and this goes back to everything else we've been talking about. They're not just going back to being like recreating the high ones in their of what they thought the high ones were, kind of like what the gliders tried to do. They're taking all of these experiences um, and they're and learning and knowledge and wisdom that they that they've earned and learned on the world of two moons, you know, physically and style wise and everything, and they're bringing that forward with them into something new. They're becoming high ones, but they're a completely different kind of high one than than what came before them. Yeah, I think that colors in that context has uh, multiple meanings. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I do too. Now that we're having this conversation, but um, yeah, yeah. So and then we get um, you know, good old Sun Toucher Anna Tim, um, you know, kind of referencing back to the original quest. I made made his comment about wouldn't it be something if all the stars were suns? So that's a nice little. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like how he refers to Skyways as our Skyways. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah of, I do uh, too. You know, they're um, they're one family, regardless mm-hmm. of tribal heritage. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so mm-hmm. yeah, should we talk so, about? Uh, I think we need to talk about Strongbow and Moonshade now. Wait, 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 wait the one last thing about mm-hmm. the the groups of elves, um, the the palace dwellers. So on the, that second page there, again, we see a wide shot, and we see um, all of these elves sort of practicing various powers, floating, and then you know the invisibility and everything. And we see, we get visual confirmation that it's not just. The Sunfolk in the palace. That there I are, was just going to say that. Is that, that a go-back? There are other elves in there yeah. that, you know, maybe they're go-backs. Um, maybe, and, 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 frankly, I think that they're meant to be, you know, just other other elves that have shown up. And I think, doesn't it say that? Um, yeah, joyfully, longtime dwellers and, and newcomers blaze in and out of sight. That, to me, is saying that there are still elves showing up, you know, and, 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 you know, this is all happening in the background, and I can see at least three that are distinctly non um, non Sun Villager. 
Um, they could be go-backs, but um, again, I think Wendy made a comment um, to, the, to the effect that they could be go-backs or they could be just new elves um, in, really? in some of the discussion. Yeah, so like you got the blonde guy and the and sort of the the loincloth there yeah. uh, on the left side of that panel, and then on the the right side you've got the brown haired guy who has like the furry armband, and he's kind of you know looking at his hands, and mm-hmm. um, and then even further in the back there's another guy that um, he's kind of like you could see him through Maline as she's becoming invisible. Um, he's got brownish hair, it looks kind of shaggy, not really like a Sun Villager style. Oh so, yeah. So again, I mean, we, we've we've already gotten confirmation that other elves are showing up. There were those two that were in rap stuff. We heard about, you know, that one female elf who was killed, but her spirit got to the palace. And so I think all of this is just a reminder that there's so much going on off camera yeah. that just isn't part of the main tale. And so they're not going into gory detail about it. But but again, Wendy and Richard are are telling us whole whole elements of the story strictly visually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, it's there for you to see it. Um, if you're looking, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, so anyway, that I just wanted to call that out too because I thought that was totally awesome. And again, just so so many seeds being thrown onto fertile soil of fan imaginations by by showing us stuff like that. And I really do hope that um, that that people create fan art and write fan fiction and and explore some of these the uh, these elves that um, you know are showing up that we just are not seeing in the main story because they're not part of the main narrative. But right, you know. So all right, so Strongbow Moonshade. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Um, so uh, is this the final breakup? That's my question because it seems like it is. Uh, it seems like this is this is the end. I mean, by the end of their little um, interlude here, it seems pretty clear to me that Strongbow has decided that this is over. Uh, he walks away and he says, you're a high one now and I hope you're happy. Yeah. Like that's pretty much, that's, <laughs> you know, I don't I, know I, how I don't, clear you can be that like we're breaking up. Yeah. I, um, I honestly don't know. I mean, it, it, I mean, definitely there's, there, there is that resignation on the part of Strongbow. And I don't think at, at, he, he's resentful at all. Like, you know, I think he gen- he's being very genuine when he says, be happy, my iron, you know, be happy. Like, her to be happy, and he wants her to do that in her own terms, which I think is a, is a pretty big evolution from the very, you know, from earlier in Final Quest, where he was, like, fighting it and resisting it and getting pissy and angry about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think here he's finally accepted it. Yeah. So, and when I say I don't know, I, I, I mean, like, I, I, you know, to the idea that this is it, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I can't even speculate. Uh, there's six more issues, so um, I have to guess that something else is going to happen with the two of them, but I think you're totally right that this is sort of a defining, you know, it's a punctuation point in, in this storyline. Um, so it's clear to him uh, by the end of the scene, she shows him her ability to make herself invisible, which I have to say those three panels of her doing it are really cool. Yeah. Just with the effects that yeah. Wendy's added to that, like you've got these little sparkly glowing stars <laughs> and stuff. It's just really cool. Covering up um, the naughty bits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, well, she, yeah, she doesn't have the tamain hair in the, in these panels to do that. So we've got the right. sparklies to do it. Um, but uh, you and then keep you it PG thirteen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you've got the shot of him um, 
there's no dialogue it's just him looking at her and you can see on his face he's it's like a realization in that panel that one panel where he, yeah. he's looking at her and he's like oh my god like she's a high one now like yeah. this is this is it yeah it's real and you know and so then she says uh she calls out to him will and he says you are a high one be happy my iron be happy yeah um and as he walks away he gathers his things and he walks away because to me in this sequence he's realized that they are so f- separated as far as what yeah. they want now um what they both want out of existence mm-hmm. that there's no reconciling it that they have to move yeah. on and he, like that to me is okay well that's it it's the end now i feel like within the next 6 issues the only thing that could possibly happen is sort of the um the fallout from this but right. to me this sequence is the defining moment of th- this part of their relationship that it's over now this was it that's yeah, what i, I get well, from this so i, I, mean, I, I could I, be wrong yeah, but I, i'm not going to argue with that i mean i you you've made a strong compelling point yeah and they had their which, they've had their last moment together right they're joining which right the scene prior to that page um where they're in the palace they're on the uh the roof of the palace i guess you know in in the furs and they're she's shaped her, she shaped herself down to her wolf rider size right? which she is another really to... yeah another really mm-hmm. cool panel where you mm-hmm. see that sort of you know the 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 art kind of you know uh repeated but you see her kind of shrinking down i thought that was really cool yeah and that's wendy's you know uh animation yeah, uh, abilities coming back to her. We've seen that throughout ElfQuest, right? Where she takes that sort of—it's the the animation uh, right. style, right? Where yep. you see that transformation, which is yeah. really really cool. Yeah. Um, but she comes running to him and she shapes herself down. Then she jumps onto him, which I I love that <laughs> panel itself. And you can see her legs wrapped around him. Yeah. And uh, um, we'll go back to in just a moment um, him. Strongbow telling her about what's happening in the hold, but I just yeah, want to yeah. finish with my thoughts about their um, their breakup. Essentially, is what I'm going to call it. But they're on the roof together, and we get this beautiful um, superimposed image of the shot from Dreamtime of the two mm-hmm. of them riding on their wolves, and that that to me is really cool too because uh, they can both see it projected through the palace. So it's almost as though the palace. You know, it responds to their innermost thoughts and, and then can take those and project it for them. It's like the best kind of movie theater you could ever <laughs> hope for, right? Yeah. You know, like it I takes think, your dreams and projects your dreams for you. I That's think how totally, cool is that? Yeah, I think um, you, you, totally the palace can do that because remember when Sunstream brought up Brill's image mm-hmm. uh, on the wall and, you know, even Shuna could kind of see it. Um, yeah. I don't always know though. Like I didn't read that this particular scene as that 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 was like visually there. Just that both of them could sense it. It was something happening, sort of. Isn't that interesting though? As readers, we both perceive that differently. Like I I read that and saw that as this is like the palace projecting this holographic image essentially for them. Like it could be that. It could be, and it could be what you're saying. Maybe that's just an artistic choice. Right. That Wendy's chosen, and it's not meant to be the f- the actual physical reality of what's happening in the palace. Right. And, I, and I don't think it matters either no, way, no, you know. No. Um, 
But, but I mean, um, as much as you want that elf to be Verda, I want this to be... The, <laughs> I, the, I like, totally agree. <laughs> this is the best movie theater in the universe. Yes. Right? I yeah. um, I pay a lot of money to watch ElfQuest on the Palace movie theater screen. <laughs> yeah, how cool would that be? Um, but yeah, maybe, so yeah. I, think, I think everything... I agree with everything you're saying, and I don't really have much else to add to the scene other than it's just... It's it's the it's the progression, maybe the inevitable march to whatever you know how the storyline is going to conclude with Strongbow and Moonshade. I mean, I thought it was uh, again. I think we're seeing a lot of evolution in Strongbow. Like he's coming to her and saying, "I do want to give this a try. Show me. I'm going to try." Um, and ultimately, we learn that 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 attempt is not successful, um, mm-hmm. as you were just saying. So it's you know it's 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 more of the you know the sadness that that this whole storyline has had from from the very beginning of final quest um and i you know at this point i think i have a little bit of scar tissue built up over it um you know like i i'm kind of resigned to them you know again kind of splitting i think at this point and so i'm just kind of watching it slowly unfold um Yeah, yeah yeah slowly um I feel like it's like this drawn out torture for us as readers. <laughs> yeah. I, I think a lot of people are feeling that and you know, damn those those peenies for putting us through this. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it, I guess it's a you know, good storytelling when your readers can have visceral emotional reactions, right? Yeah. I'm just reading their dialogue here and you know, it really sort of um illustrates the differences between their worldviews where Strongbow is saying he wants to remain, you know, f- in a physical form. Mm-hmm. Or actually, well, she, no, she, she wants to that. Yeah. yeah, she does. She, yeah, she's like, you know, we can, I don't want to be a spirit. I want to stay physical so that we can get it on like we are right now, right? Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, for anything beyond just that sort of very simple, basic, black and white, way of being and perceiving the universe is too much for Strongbow. Even though she's saying, like, I'm, I'm going to be a physical being, but look, I can do this with my physical being and make it, you know, invisible and spirit-like or whatever. And, like, he just, his brain just cannot Why do you think that's too much for him, though? That specifically, that she, because she's saying to him, you're right, she's saying to him that she, she, I want us to keep our bodies to be able to touch to feel. And then she shows him how she can turn invisible. And that's the thing that, the I trigger that's he... too much for him. I don't think it's the, it has anything to do with the, that specific manifestation of power. Like, I don't think, in fact, if, if, if they weren't going through this emotional turmoil, I think Strongbow, you know, uh, looking specifically at that power, I think it's kind of cool because again, it could allow you to hunt better and, you know, hide or whatever. I think it, it's what it represents. It represents that Moonshade really, again, has become a high one. That's what he says. You are a high one. Emphasis mm-hmm. is on the word are. Like, it's not a process. There's not a question whether she's going to change her mind. Like, him seeing her do that, again, had nothing to do with the actual power. It was just proof in his mind, final proof that this is happening. And it, in fact, already has happened. That she is this creature of magic and fire that is different than I could ever really relate to anymore. Mm -hmm. That's what what I'm taking from all that. Mm -hmm. And the gulf is just too wide for them to, or for him. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I could could see, you know, Strongbow's logic, like, how could somebody who can do this ever be happy, you know, running around and killing things and eating, Eating you know, raw meat, you know, like, 
it's just it, like Strongbow loves her enough to recognize that that is not where she is anymore. But he also knows that his own happiness can't be what, you know, he can't be happy in, in the place where Moonshade has moved to, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's the, it's the, the awful crushing reality of the situation. And I think that panel of Strongbow's face, it's, it's finally, like you said, that final realization that, this is happening, and in fact, it's already happened, and there really is no going back. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, on that depressing note... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, let's just take a step back, then uh, we'll go over those few pages where Strongbow is telling Moonshade about what's happening in the Holt. Yeah, well, yeah, so... Um, yeah, we see like it was um, hinted at in the last issue that the Wolf Riders have all reunited in the uh, the Father Tree Halt. So all of Ember's yeah. Wolf Riders. Now have, this was uh, this was a surprise to me because uh, the last issue I wasn't quite sure who was leaving from Ember's tribe to go to the Holt, and it appears now that it was everybody. Yeah, I thought it was just going to be some of them. I you know I, I don't think it was totally clear um, that anyone other than I mean, it was obvious that Talit and Dushine and Poole and Scouter were all going to go. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, but I think you know it makes sense if they're if they're going to sort of be, um, you know, preparing for an upcoming conflict with the humans. That you know they're sort of all gathered and um, and also I think again at this point in the story, like with the things wrapping up, I think it's kind of it makes sense to bring everybody back together. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, I mean they're going, they're clearly headed towards some sort of confrontation with the war men, right? So yeah. you probably yeah. need everybody there. Yeah. Um, I I like how uh, Ember is once again being um, sort of compared to Bearclaw. Yeah. Uh, you know, Strongbow says that uh, um, she she leads in the the vein of her grandsire Bearclaw. No wild notions, no quests, nothing beyond the now. Um, and that was sort of set up a long time ago uh during the wild mm-hmm. hunt you know that was the yep. whole purpose of ember taking part of the tribe um, totally. out into unknown lands was to sort of um be the keeper of the way and and just go back to the simple wolf rider life yep. um and here she is again you know being compared to bear claw which was you know uh, just living in the now and uh, hopefully she doesn't have his same uh, substance abuse <laughs> issues or violence issues. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't think she does. I think, <laughs> um, I, I think that that like, we're that gonna see like <laughs> Ember waking up with a badass hangover, like and, like punching punching Tillie in the face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's so so wrong. But I don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so that, I mean, I, I, I like that development. It'll be really interesting, um, you know, to see how it plays out though with, you know, who's chief now, if Ember mm-hmm. is there and Cutter's there and, you know, is there going to be a challenge? Is Ember going to kind of step down uh, and become second yeah. in command? You know, and what's going to You know, still, uh, I'm interested to see any sort of resolution to the whole recognition storyline between sure, her and yeah. here you know are we going to get another wolf rider chief or is this it yeah yeah hmm. i don't know um so from there we go to uh winkin 
mm-hmm. um, who's been keeping his eye on the the war men who are slowly but surely making their way towards the Holt and uh, leaving a a wake of blood and fear and bodies um, yeah. behind them. Uh, but I love this, like the the shots of of Winkin. <laughs> you see his 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 face peeking out from the treetops everywhere in each panel. I love I yeah. love that. Yeah, um, and you know, I just noticed his face in this in the in the middle panel there. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I didn't see that until I, I'm just looking at it right now as we're talking. Yeah. I saw it in the in the bottom panel where the poor human is getting shot. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so Winkin is acting as a you know a scout and a spy, and and we get you know sort of again a. a a reminder of the familial relationships there, you know, uh, Dushine, mother of Winkin, um, and Winkin, father of Tyr. So I'm wondering if there's a reason for reminding us of that. Um, hmm. If that's a bit of a, you know, what, like, what are you thinking? Any idea? Or you're <laughs> just wondering? Yeah. That is, is as far as my mind has gone with it, but it's, you know, it could just be, you know, the general kind of little bit of, of, info that Wendy and Richard weave into the story just to remind people who people are. And, yeah. you know, there was so many, it could just be that, or I just wonder, it made me wonder if that we're going to see more with these three, mm-hmm. that family relationship and knowledge of it will be important. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Hmm. Um, and yeah. you know, we can, yeah, we just have to wait know. and see. Uh, yeah, no, I'm just thinking now, I wonder if that could in any way be connected to the recognition somehow. I don't know. I don't know either. That out there. Between Ember and Tear. <laughs> right. Because right. they're, then they're they're all related, right? But they all are related. All are all yeah. related anyways. Exactly. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, so the humans are, are, are on the move. They're slowly but surely getting closer. Um, you know, we do see them as as the commander of war and sea or whatever his name is, you know, said, like, they're basically going to, you know, dominate and obliterate the quote-unquote primitives, Um which is such an icky term, mm-hmm. um, but also fitting for somebody who thinks like him, that anybody, you know, those brown people, they're primitives, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and so, you know, they're subjugating them, they're enslaving them, but, you know, some of them are learning the Junslin tongue and, you know, listening to, um, you know, that Shuna and Shen Chen are kind of sharing with them and, and they're using it to their advantage, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah. So I think that's all just sort of laying the groundwork for this last story arc, which is obviously going to deal a lot with the humans. Um, yep. I don't know what else there is to say about that, but I think the important thing is going back to uh, Moonshade and Strongbow is Strongbow's comment that, you know, the Hulk just isn't the same without Cutter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What a change eh, from uh, <laughs> right. the, the original relationship between those two. And I mean, yeah. even during the course of the series, there was always a little bit of tension between the right. two of them. Um, you know, Strongbow has reached the point now where he recognizes Cutter as his chief and has great respect for him and, and, I and think friendship. He's, and, yeah, yeah, and I think he's 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 been there since the end of the final or the original quest, but yeah. it's only well, it's only deep-based. Yeah. yeah, there really hasn't know. been any example of him um, not perceiving Cutter. I mean, when when Cutter told him, um, you know. It, 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 in the original quest, when Strongbow came back after Winnowill kidnapped Suntop, and Cutter admitted that he was wrong, and you know, and that they needed Strongbow, I, I feel like that was the moment that the flip was switched for Strongbow, where he was like, "Okay, this is my chief." And yes, yeah, certainly, 
over the ensuing 500 years that they were awake before they slept, I think that only deepened. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to, to get us to where we are today, where, yeah. you know, Strongbow can't even think about anybody other than Cutter as being chief. But, um, so, but interestingly, Strongbow asked the same question that Skywise asked, that we are all asking, like, what is driving him? And, mm-hmm. you know, Strongbow and Skywise don't even know what we know as readers. And that is that, you know, partly this is being driven by, um, the fact that Cutter and Tanane are the same same being. Um, oh but my god! It, I just thought of something. Okay, so if Strongbow reacts to Moonshade as a high one in the way he has, where he he just can't handle it, how is he going to react to his chief? Oh my god! I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Strongbow is just not in for anything <laughs> good. I mean, no, I just, this is not going to end well for him. No, All right, maybe it'll end well for him, but he still has some thorny patches to get through because, yeah, mm. you're right. If he can't take what um, Moonshade has learned, how is he going to respond if he ever finds out that this like crazy, I can't even wrap my, my mind around the full, you know, um, implications, implications of, of Cutter and Tamane being the same being just in two bodies and two separate pieces of the soul. Like it's mm-hmm. hard to grasp Yeah, for me. And so let alone poor Strongbow. So, yeah, yeah. well, we'll just have to, you know, wait and see on that. Um, you know, the one thing that we didn't talk about that I'm just realizing is Timor. I, I was going to bring that okay. up. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so basically, here's what we know. We know that, that Timorn has been kind of around Cutter since he, you know, went into his madness at learning that, that he really was Timane. And now we're actually seeing, um, him at physically manifest or visually manifest, at least anyway. And, and Cutter actually acknowledging that, um, that Timorn is the one that sort of, um, clued him into the fact that there was this first comer troll. Um, mm-hmm. and it might be that, you know, that's just that, and there's nothing more to really think about or say about it, but, but wonder, you know, what, what Timorn's motivations are, like, why does he care? You know, what does he know? And that's in fact, the question that Cutter asked a few episodes or issues ago, yeah. you know, Tim, what, you know, what do you know? And yeah, so know. We n- now we know that he knew about the first comer troll and may, I don't know, maybe he just sensed on the spirit realm that. That, that this reconciliation was something that needed to happen. And since he was present and maybe overwatching, um, you know, Cutter, he kind of helped clue him into the fact that he was there. And then Cutter did the math and realized, you know, this happened. Yeah, I was hoping for more, though, and I still am. I'm holding out that there is more to to Morn showing up than just to sort of act as this catalyst for finding this troll, uh, the first comer. Yeah. Um, because it seemed like we were being set up for a little bit more, especially when Cutter was talking about things like, um, you know, the duality of nature between himself and Two Edge and Tamorn. Right, right, um, right, right. And that there was some sort of resolution that was, uh, being, uh, hinted at, at least, uh, for, for those three. And, and somehow they were connected and there was, there was some, some deeper meaning to all of that. Right. Yeah. Um, I- I hope so too. Um, and I hope it for a much simpler, more basic fanish reason. And that is, I just think Timorn is rad and I want to see more of him. (laughs) Yeah. Well, me too. Absolutely. And I, I, to be honest, I was kind of hoping that 
Tim Warren was still alive. That's what I was kind of hoping for. And I, I yeah. you know, I was thinking, I wonder if he is and somehow he survived and maybe, you know, he's in the, the treasure room and uh, some, somehow. Yeah. Um, part of me hmm. thought that maybe they were going to do something with that as well, but, um, but I'm okay that he's not, I think it makes much more sense that he's not, if he were still alive, I would I think it would be a little bit difficult to swallow just because, well, we don't yeah, know 100% that he is dead, though. Just because his spirit is there doesn't mean that his physical well, body is dead. that's true. That's true. That's true, mm-hmm. right? Although I th- uh, my gut senses that he is, and this is his spirit. Yeah. Well, I mean, it could be his spirit, even if he had a physical body still alive, right? Yeah, I mean, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, he could send yeah. it out, right? So, yeah, I'm just flipping yeah. through. It doesn't really – it says what Tim Warren's traveling, snooping spirit knows about. What I now know. Cutter says that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I guess that could mean his body is still alive somewhere. It could be. But I, I think, yeah, I think, I think, I think it's, he's dead. But it does raise the question, um, again, of what will happen to, say, Wolf Rider spirits when the palace leaves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that needs to be dealt with for sure. Yeah. When, you know, what's well, going what's gonna I, I to them? I don't know that it needs to be dealt with in the sense that we know that they, since they are native to the world of two moons, they're, they're tied to it. Um, just like the, the, the pure blooded elves are tied to their native world, which is the palace, right? Mm-hmm. Cause it's made of the stuff of the star home. So, yeah. you know, uh, it makes sense to me that the, the wolf rider spirits would just stay on the world of two moons, like any other spirit of any other creature that was sort of initially from that place. But, um, I guess mm-hmm. we'll have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Well, a lot of questions, though, for me surrounding Tamorin and his appearance in this storyline, and and uh-huh. what part he has to play, and you know, has has he played it totally, completely at this point? Is that it? Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. You know, or is there more to his appearance? Yeah, I have all the same questions. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I think at this point, I only have a, like a few odds and ends. Um, so in this scene, um, we actually get a, uh, a reference to Skywise's claustrophobia, yes. which yeah. you know maybe comes from his traumatic experience in Blue Mountain, um, which then, of course, is another opportunity to get a name reference for Dor, um, who we saw a few issues back, you know, with Chot as his slave. Um, up to no good, but we don't know what. So I think all of these are little breadcrumbs that Wendy and Richard are laying, you know, for the next story arc. We've only um, got six issues left, though, and I know. you know, Dora. We haven't seen Dora for well, I think that f- yeah, one panel. I think, well, we saw him when when um, big and, and front and center when Scott Sunstream sent out the call, yeah. and then we saw that one little panel of him, mm-hmm. you know, tunneling underground with Chot as his captive. So mm-hmm. I think again, those are the breadcrumbs. Right. And then I think in this last story arc, obviously, mm-hmm. there's going to be a big conflict with the humans. Mm-hmm. And I think obviously, Dor is going to make his reappearance. Mm-hmm. And whatever, there's going to be some conflict uh, 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 centered around that. What it is, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Um, but, but I like the way, again, Wendy and Richard know where the story's going and they're mm-hmm. leading, get clues for us um, kind of throughout here. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, just like Tim Warren appearing earlier, um, you know, like he, pay attention to those little details that you know seem like just like random things because they probably mean something yeah um and then the other the last thing i think it's the last thing um 
that I have to say. Oh, no, two more things. And again, we're still in the same scene. Um, number one, I love seeing that there was a female troll warrior up in the frozen mountains and that, uh, you know, troll society has has progressed a little bit and become a little bit more egalitarian, um, mm-hmm. you know, as far as gender roles in, in the 10,000 years since we saw them last. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, females weren't just, you know, what does it say in the original quest, you know, breeders and domestic help or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. That, you know, that drub is not an anomaly that, that, um, you know, even in this completely separate troll culture that the, the females can, you know, break out of their domesticity if they want it. Um, their, their gender roles. So that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And I really loved, and this is something that e- even my brain, um, you know, didn't even, wouldn't even have thought about, but that is the fact that Red Lance actually never saw Two Edges um, armory. Yeah, no, he never and, and And especially for an elf like him who is so sort of organic and plant-oriented to see that, you know, really giant ge- geometric, straight-lined, um, you know, uh, construction um, mm-hmm. I just I love the fact that Wendy and Richard chose to call that out. Um, yeah, it's pretty no, awesome. It is. Uh, yeah, he wouldn't. He never saw it apart from you know possibly an open sending that Nightfall shared with him or something. Um, but yeah, it must have been totally um, uh, mind blowing for him to see it now, right? And and right. based solely on the fact that he's so organic based, like you say, you know, to see all these straight lines and this yeah. construction it must be almost overwhelming and hard to sort of fathom um i guess we didn't really talk about the very beginning of the issue when cutter and skywise are fighting and they fall down the pit into the uh with with the trolls and they're yeah. confronted by the trolls and uh the trolls almost i i don't think they really recognize what they are at first uh, yeah we well, haven't seen elves in so long Totally. And, and, and going back to the scene we were just talking about when they finally make it to the armory and, and the King's guards are out there. Um, you know, the younger trolls don't really know what an elf is. They've never mm-hmm. seen one. It's that really, it's a gray hair troll. That's like, yeah, that's an elf. I told you about them. So, um, I think it's obvious and we kind of knew this already because the go backs themselves, you know, say like they haven't been fighting with trolls. So obviously their lodge was not close to, you know, the tunnels of the trolls anymore um, under Venka and they weren't at war with the trolls because the troll, the frozen mountain trolls don't, you know, except for the really old ones don't even recognize what an elf is anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so that's actually kind of good, I think, because it means that, you know, many of the living trolls now probably don't have the baggage per se that Guttle cross warriors would have had. True. Yeah. And yeah. that might make things a lot easier as far as, um, Trolls deciding to go back into the palace and return to the uh, exactly yeah and you know the mm-hmm. the only other thing in that scene um, that I think is is worth noting is the um, you know Cutter saying like if we kill them then I can't do what I came here to do mm-hmm. which and, you know when you're first reading the the issue you, you you still don't know what that is but after reading the issue you know you know that what he's come to do is apologize and ask for forgiveness from elves to trolls. And so it makes total sense if he shows up and starts slaughtering trolls that it's going to be not something that the trolls are going to be able to take with any any sincerity. Exactly. Uh, and so, it, yeah, it all makes sense. But, uh, yeah, other than that... Um, I just want to point out one particular panel, the panel where um, Audrey is leading the rest of the group down through the uh, the pit. Yep. Um, 
I just I wanted to point out Two Edge in that particular panel. Uh-huh. Uh I just think it's such a um beautiful illustration of Two Edge and it really to me it's so, it's just this tiny little detail, right? It's a tiny drawing of Two Edge, but mm-hmm. he in that panel uh has the line of beauty in him. Totally, yes. And I just in that one that. little drawing and it's just such a great illustration. I just wanted to point that out. I just think it's a great illustration of not just of Two Edge, but just of the whole uh, of Wendy's style. It just sort of yeah. encapsulates it there. Like this this character who is not particularly um, beautiful, beautiful it, yeah. it, it, like embodies the line of beauty in that just that one little drawing. Yeah, I totally see what you're talking about, and it's not something that I really kind of zoomed in on. But thanks to the wonders of digital comics, I just really, really zoomed in on it and actually saved that. And, um, you know, maybe when we're having the online discussions about this episode of the podcast, I'll share that picture. Cause awesome. I, you're totally yeah. right. it's completely line of beauty. Yeah. Um, I just yeah. wanted to point that out. Yeah. I see what Audrey sees in him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there you go. Although I guess she doesn't really see anything yet, but I'm predicting that she will. So there's something happening for uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a twinge somewhere happening. <laughs> Yeah, so I, that covers everything that I um, had on my list to talk about. Uh, one last okay, well, no, wait, wait, I mean, we, I do want to finish by going back to the very last panel. Okay, that's where I am right now. Um, yeah. yeah, so so I, uh, you know, again, as befitting the last issue in a um, kind of a story arc, because again, you got to remember this is the the end of the third collected volume of the final quest, which we haven't gotten a, a date for yet, but. Um, I'm sure we'll be hearing about when that will be out soon because Dark Horse seems to be not waiting very long after the actual comic issue comes out to collect it and put it out into a graphic novel form. Mm-hmm. But um, so, you know, there was a nice, sort of a nice little fitting kind of wrap up, I think, to a lot of the events of the last six issues. And, you know, I love, you know, Cutter basically has come back to himself. He's still not quite, he's not how he was before, but, you know, he's acknowledging that, you know, I now know this huge mind-blowing thing about myself but what i really want because that's what skywise again remember asks him like what do you really want what do Mm -hmm. you want um and he says you know i want to see if i can um you know know that the larger truth and still live the smaller i want the wolf riders he wants a new wolf yes we love wolf riders and wolves and then even better he wants to go kick some (laughs) man tail and you know and and just hunt and howl and be with his his heart circle so yep I think a really nice way of kind of ending this issue and this, you know, sort of not maybe, maybe not ending, but, um, you know, kind of wrapping the, the current plot points um, until we can kind of pick them back up in the next story arc, the next and final story arc. Yeah. Uh, particularly, I had to laugh to myself when he said that I want to kick some war man tail. And I, I thought to myself, yes, because that means we're going to get to see Cutter kicking some ass and And i want to see him back in battle mode because as intriguing as this whole you know plot line is where he's you know uh, a part of tamain he sort of opened up his reality to something greater and you know has had to confront this part of himself and and deal with it internally um 
I just really want to see Cutter like back to basics fighting and I want to see Barbarian <laughs> Cutter. I'm so right there with you. You know what? Like Final Quest has been a challenging story and and I know um you know Wendy and Richard acknowledge, acknowledge that. You know, this isn't your typical, you know, run of the mill fantasy comic sword and sorcery, you know, fight, cut, kill, magic spell, right? I mean, this is this is the culmination of all of these years of storytelling. Wendy and Richard have taken it into a very cerebral place. Uh, yeah. In many ways, mm-hmm. and it's not like your typical kind of linear black and white fantasy story. And, you know, frankly, I've seen some fans complaining about that, um, you know, and, and saying, you know, like, I, I don't know where it's going. It's meandering. It's, you know, I, I you know, and so I, I don't necessarily agree with it as a criticism, but I can acknowledge that I think that the, those are fair things to say. Um, that the story is this high level, um, you know, very, again, cerebral. Um, so all of that said, mm-hmm. um, I hope in this last story arc, we do get some more grounding and some more, you know, just, you know, forward momentum and, and just good old nitty gritty Wolf Rider and fight scenes. And, and, um, yeah, so yeah, I agree. Six issues to go and that's six, it. Six issues to go and that's it. So uh, <laughs> that's an ominous way of ending the podcast. So, um, yeah. So that we don't end it on that. There yeah. is one other thing that I wanted to share that I forgot to say at the front. Okay. So we'll take it back to a fun, positive. Not that we weren't being positive just now, but you know what I mean. I know, um, I know. Less ominous, I guess. Um, yeah. One thing that I, I I forgot to mention at the top was that. There is a really fun new thing for all ElfQuest fans, and I think many of you have already partaken in it, but um, we created a, uh, a tribe sorter quiz. You know, everybody has probably taken the Harry Potter house quiz and, you know, what house of Game of Thrones would you be in? So we now have a have one for ElfQuest that will sort you into one of the elfin tribes or groups, you know, mm-hmm. whether you're a wolf rider or a rootless one or a sun villager or even a palace dweller. So mm-hmm. I, if you haven't taken it yet, mm-hmm. I highly encourage you to go do it. It's fun. And, um, you know, I am particularly interested in hearing the results from people and see, you know, how, what tribe they got sorted in. So I don't know, Ryan, have Very you, cool. I have did you it. seen this? You did it. What, yeah, it, what did were it. you? What do you think? <laughs> um, I don't know, actually. Um, I would a go back. No, I a got glider. a wolf rider. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so it's interesting because I think a lot of people get Wolf Rider. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think, you know, that was sort of a little bit by design because I think Wolf Riders or, or less by design and more kind of inevitable because the Wolf Riders are the main story, the main characters, if you will. And they're the, the, the ones that embody the most sort of positive traits. So what it, did it kinda, uh, you took it? Obviously, don't yeah. tell me. I think you got Sun Villager, Sun Folk. You know, I've taken it so many times. Have you? <laughs> to try and get the result you want? No, 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 no. Just no? In, 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 in playing with it and, okay. and seeing what the, you know. So I actually, I, I do get Wolf Rider most often. Do you? Yeah. But yeah, but sometimes I get Rootless One. Sometimes really? I get Sun Villager. Okay. Um, those are probably the top three that I get when mm-hmm. I take it. Um, so, um, so anyway, yeah, just to end on a fun note, um, if you haven't already, 
go to elfquest.com. It's featured on, um, on the main page. If you scroll down a little bit, if you click on the about button in the top, uh, toolbar there or the top uh, menu bar, um, that takes you to kind of the, the page, uh, almost like the, the, uh, the table of contents for the rest of the website. And you'll see a link to it in there as well, along with the ElfQuest avatar maker, which is another thing that if you haven't played with in a while, um, that's been around for a few years. Um, it's always worth revisiting because you can sort yourself into a tribe and then create your own elf avatar for it. So, um, definitely just a little reminder to go check out ElfQuest.com because there's tons of really cool stuff on there. Um, you know, old art and, you know, the kind of stuff that, um, you'll see in the line of beauty. Believe it or not, there's a bunch of, vintage uh, Wendy art on there and behind the scenes stuff and fun things again, like the avatar maker and the tribe sorter. There's obviously the online comics. There's the wolf rider shop where you can get signed copies of uh, rare ElfQuest books that are long out of print directly from Richard. So don't forget to go to ElfQuest.com and check all of that stuff out. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so any last thoughts before we go? That's it. I am. Um, um, I'm geared up for the for the, the last story arc and the last six issues of Final Quest. I, uh, yeah. you know, chomping at the bit, and I don't want it to end. Um, but I want to know what happens, and I want to go on this, you know, this wild ride that we're hopefully going to be getting in these last six issues. I'm right there with you, and we will be uh, we will be there for every issue with a new episode for the last six the last Absolutely. six issues. Um, I guess one last. Thing I want to add is the coloring in this issue was fantastic. I thought it was sure, yeah. great. Some of the best coloring I've seen in the series so far. And uh, Audrey... Sunny. Hmm? Yeah, that's Sunny. Go um, Sunny. Yep. Audrey has the best earrings in all of ElfQuest, I think. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that um, what a great way to end the show. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll wrap it note, up. Er, little earring love, yeah. yeah. All right, well, excellent. Well, then, um, until next time, everyone, enjoy ElfQuest, and we'll see you for issue 19. Bye, everybody. Bye. The music that you heard at the top of the podcast was a track called Hunting for Experience by Epicus from their album An Epic Journey. You can find music by Epicus and thousands of other artists royalty-free for your podcast or multimedia projects on gemendo.com. That's J-A-M-E-N-D-O dot com. Well, that's it for this episode of the ElfQuest Show podcast. As always, you can join the discussions on ElfQuest.com, on Twitter at, at ElfQuest, or on any of several Facebook pages, including the official ElfQuest Facebook page and the ElfQuest Facebook fan page. Don't forget, you can read the entire ElfQuest back catalog at ElfQuest.com, along with tons of other great stuff like character bios, behind-the-scenes features, and more. The Final Quest is published by Dark Horse Comics, and you can get the latest issue of ElfQuest the minute it comes out at digital.darkhorse.com. Until next time, shade and sweet water. <laughs>